0: Big Beat Manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all
1: encompassing philosophy. Is contagious. Yeah. Oh. This is outrageous. Oh.
2: This is
0: contagious. Listen, love, just a little tip, alright? You're on the edge now, and you need to pick the right way. Because one way's heaven, and the other. Well,. Probably best not to think about that right now, but it's fucking horrible, yeah? Hey everyone, my name is Sean. Laura, if you wish to continue this podcast, say continue.
2: Continue. Hi, my name's Laura, and I like my coffee like I like my man, weak and white.
0: (laughs) How are you doing today, Laura? I'm alright, thank you. Alright. Well, I'm really excited to be doing our first kind of special episode together. We finished season two, series two, excuse me, and we're on to series three so I figured, let's kind of take a break from Peep Show. Of course, I felt like we ended up watching a 90-minute Peep Show movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> very much so. But it wasn't bad, wasn't bad. Um, we, of course, today are going to be talking about the 2007 movie, The Magicians, starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb. Of course, written by Armstrong and Bain.
2: Um. Yeah, it's actually Magicians, not
0: The Magicians, no The Oh there you are correct. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I have the title of this podcast episode wrong on Zencaster.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's um but I think a lot of people made the same statement. I was googling around for it. Even some reviewers had referred to it as The Magicians. So,
0: I think you're fine. I think The Magicians is a, a series on Netflix now about
2: Yeah, I think that's the,
0: the where the confusion has come in. Like 20 something magicians. So, mm. um well, I wanted to just kind of go ahead and jump into discussing this cuz I want to just try to keep this show under 2 hours hopefully. <laughs> cool. Um so real quick, I have never I've never seen this movie. So a lot of my notes as I was taking them are kind of a combination of like genuine reactions and um unfortunately some of the scenes I kind of had to I had to watch this movie like three or four times so after, you know, like time number four that uh, reaction is not really there anymore.
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it uh, quite a few times, although I didn't see it when it first came out. Um, I saw it when it was about four years old and it was on the telly. And I it was weirdly, when I was pregnant with my eldest daughter, I was quite unwell. I was in hospital quite a long time and it was a film that I watched about three times while I was in hospital to cheer me up. So I have seen it quite a few times, but I did rewatch it for this.
0: You're not the only one that didn't see it when it first came out either, because it really did not. Um, from everything that I found, it really did not do too super hot in the theaters. I believe it made no something like eight hundred eighty-five thousand pounds while it was in the theater. So not a not a huge hit. I imagine I imagine they were able to recoup their. Um, their production cost on it but
2: yeah the critics weren't very kind about it i had a little google around to see what i could find and caroline westbrook who i believe is from the guardian said it had an uneven tone which was a bit harsh and the general consensus seemed to be that it was a big screen out in for peep show really and that it was enjoyable enough but you won't remember much of it in the morning that was one of the uh, quotes from a review that i found that i thought yeah that's fair enough
0: yeah um i could definitely see where those criticisms came in um but let's go ahead and talk about the movie and then we'll talk about our kind of thoughts and feelings on the movie once we're done
2: Mm -hmm. yep cool
0: um i really enjoyed the opening credits just seeing all the the like the baby pictures of mitchell and webb
2: yeah they were they were good weren't they and i watched it um again this evening before doing this with my husband and we were both really laughing at the pictures of them as particular teenagers and clearly when they first knew each other in the Footlights at Cambridge and they both look so young and Robert Webb so gangly looking and David Mitchell looks like it's about 1983 even though it must have been the mid-90s by this <laughs> point
0: yeah Um I did not realise that they had met each other when they were so young
2: yes they met at Footlights um, at Cambridge when they were I believe they were sort of 18, 19, 20-ish. I think Robert Webb was a little bit older than David Mitchell. Um, but they were certainly like of university
0: age. Yeah, that what uh, Lee had told me was that they had met um, doing an, an audition for, like, Romeo and Juliet or something like that. Um,
2: I think that's right. I have read David Mitchell's autobiography, and I can't remember exactly, but I think they met at what the play was. But it was at Footlights, um audition and Olivia Coleman was there as well I believe she was I seem to remember that she was doing teacher training I think she was doing primary teacher training but she got the bug for acting after she joined Footlights and then obviously became an actress
0: oh that's that's incredible but yeah I I did not realize that they were so young when when they met yeah the optician side of me instantly noticed David Mitchell's like (laughs) uh double barred Giant ass fucking aviator glasses, and that was such a yeah, they're hideous, aren't they? Really bad. Oh my god! And that was such that that was such an eighties look too, with those big just double bar glasses. I think my dad wore those kind of yeah. glasses too. My
2: headmaster in infant school had those very glasses. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: one other thing that really made me friggin' laugh in this scene was um. They are, there's one, there's one point in the opening credits where they're accepting a trophy and they're both wearing these wigs. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the wigs are just so funny and so fake. I really had a good laugh at that.
2: Yeah, there's, it's like a, David Mitchell's got like a mullet thing going on, hasn't he, in the wig? It's, yeah, it's very
0: good. Yeah. Uh, after the credits we kind of get into the end of their show because as the credits are going on you actually see them doing their routine and they're just kind of tearing it up and the tricks that they're the trick that they actually do is so fucking funny where what is it like he ties them up and he puts them in a box and then he you know like sticks a sword through the box but then david Mitt or robert webb just appears yeah. on the other side of the room like tied up and he's just got this look <laughs> on his face where he's like eh, yeah here i am david mitchell or uh harry i'm gonna refer no more mitchell and Webb. it's it's harry and carl uh yeah well that's
2: better than because in my notes i started off writing Jez and mark so yeah (laughs) i have to keep reminding myself that we're calling them harry and carl
0: yeah uh uh david mitchell plays harry kane and robert
2: like the footballer are you aware of that i was not (laughs) So there's a famous footballer in this country called Harry Kane, which is just bizarre that they called the character Harry Kane. I can only assume, I don't know loads about football, I can only assume that Harry Kane wasn't famous at this point. Uh, I'm just Googling, no, he's quite young, so he probably wasn't.
0: Maybe he took his name from this show. Yeah, maybe,
2: yeah.
0: And then um, Robert Webb plays a magician named Carl Allen, a.k.a. The Mindmonger. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Harry looks at Carl and he's just like, oh my gosh, we were brilliant he goes. You were brilliant. I was amazing. We were shitting gold. Um. Uh, Harry is. Harry is basically. Oh, uh, I guess probably this is worth mentioning too. Uh, in the opening credits, it does show that Harry eventually men- uh, married their assistant uh, Carol.
2: Karen. Karen. No, it's not Karen. It's Carol. She was Karen in Peep Show. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I, that's funny because in my notes I wrote, "Oh snap, it's Karen." It's Karen, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, Harry, has gotten married to Carol, and in all of their wedding pictures, you can kind of see Carl giving like side eye to the two.
2: Yeah, there's definitely there's chemistry between Carl and Carol, isn't there? Here in all the photographs, yeah. here, it's quite obvious to us that yeah, there's a, there's an attraction. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, Harry Harry goes to talk to the the person who's been booking them for their you know their magic show and um he's like hey we're gonna extend your act in four weeks um i also have this cruise ship gig that we can send you on and and harry is just like oh fuck yeah that cruise ship sounds amazing um let me go let me go talk to carl as we come back uh carol is in The box that I guess you would use to, like, saw a woman in half, because, like, literally just her head is sticking out. Yeah, that's what I took it to be, yeah. Yeah. She's, like, kind of (laughs) moaning. Yeah. And Harry's like, what the hell is going on here? And then he opens the box, and there's, like, David Mitchell, like, going down on her. Or, excuse me. No, Robert Webb's going down on her, yeah. Excuse me, yes, (laughs) fuck. There's Carl going down on her in the box, and harry is just like oh my fucking god as you would be and he is yeah he is pissed um carl just basically is like look we've just got it we've just got the show to put on let's do the show and then we'll figure this out later
2: Mm -hmm.
0: probably infamous last words i think yep um as the show is going on they bring out a guillotine to do a guillotine trick with hang on
2: how are you pronouncing that
0: Oh, fuck. Am I pronouncing it wrong?
2: <laughs> no, I don't know. You're not pronouncing it. How I would pronounce it? Say it again. Guillotine? <laughs> I would say guillotine. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that might just be, I don't know. I've never heard it pronounced like that before. I'm not, I'm not just doing this now to be funny. I'm not just picking random words and telling you you're saying them
0: wrongly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it's all Americans, oh. but it's definitely me.
2: Sorry, I interrupted you. Continue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um... No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, so the first time I watched this, I had, I was literally had no clue what was about to happen. Um, and
2: no, me neither. I screamed. I screamed the first time I saw this, and Phil had seen it, my husband, and we were watching it in a hotel room. It was on late at night, and he was like, "Oh, we sort of switched over just it was starting," and he was like, "Oh, this is quite good. Like, let's watch this sort of thing." And it, yeah, so we saw it right from the beginning, and then obviously that happened. I screamed, and he was like, "Oh, yeah." Haha! Ha. So yeah, when you've not seen it, it's quite shocking.
0: Yeah. So, so not to not to beat around the bush or anything, um, he basically decapitates his wife, <laughs> um, and it's really funny because the angle that you see it from, you don't really see what happened, but you hear like a thunk yeah. of like a head falling into a basket, and then the audience just is like,
2: <gasps> <gasps> again, as you would be if you'd seen that if you were in the audience.
0: Oh my god!
2: I wonder if that's ever happened. It must have. I don't know. Yeah, it probably
0: has. No, Before we really start going through the rest of this movie, I want to know because I feel like he did it on purpose. Do you feel like he did it on purpose and was a oh, really no, I don't feel like he did it on purpose. Okay, because I feel like I feel like that he did it on purpose because he says at one point that they had seven safety uh, mechanisms and none of the safety mechanisms worked, and I just have a hard time believing that seven safety mechanisms would, would fail.
2: I don't know. I just guess that, I don't know, he seems like an honest kind of clueless guy. Maybe that's just me taking the interpretation of like Mark and Peep Show and thinking that he's like that, but he just seems like, he seems like a bit of a loser that this sort of thing might happen to. Like if the seven safety mechanisms are going to fail on anyone, I feel like they would fail on Harry. So
0: no, I don't, I don't think he did it on purpose, but maybe I'm being naive. Because I'll be honest with you, Depending on if you think he killed her on purpose or if it was an accident, it really affects how you watch the movie because...
2: That's true. It colors the film, I guess. If you think he's a murderer, then this is actually the story of how a psychopath tricks another woman into falling in love with him again.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is That is. That is kind of the, the way that I watched it my second time through was like, here is a psychopath who is pretending not to be a psychopath, and um,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, you're right. That's that's a very different way of viewing it. I was viewing it as a kind of hapless, lovelorn guy who hasn't had many breaks, accidentally kills his wife, and has to live with the guilt of that, and loses his career on top of it. So yeah, we watched two quite different films then.
0: Yeah. So here's what I think <laughs> we should. Here's what I think we should do. I think we should put a poll up on Twitter. Uh, a poll. I see to what, see what people thought. See if people agree with us. Yeah. Okay. With killed on killed on purpose, hidden psychopath, killed on accident, bumbling idiot.
2: Cool. I will do that on the day this comes out. We'll see what people think. Okay.
0: <laughs> I was like pretty shocked at how quickly this movie got like a little yeah. dark. There, I was yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is not the rom com I thought it was going to be. No, 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 it's not. I I figured there was going to be you know where they were gonna, they were gonna get a divorce, and then, you know, uh, Harry and Carl, you know, Carl was gonna take Carol on as his assistant, and then, you know, they were gonna come back together, and everyone was gonna kind of, you know, uh, work things out together. I was not really expecting her to get murdered, like, five minutes (laughs) into the movie.
2: (laughs) No, Carol's gone, that's over, she's dead. So, no more Carol.
0: Much like in Peep Show, she just pretty much disappeared after she.
2: Um... Yeah, I mean, she's a big star over here now, so she's obviously like gone on to greater things. But I agree that her these sort of uh, formative roles for her not great. wasn't in anything for very long, it seems.
0: So now we we get. We go about what, like four years into the future. Yeah,
2: I think it's four years basis, isn't it?
0: Um, we have Harry. He's working at a place that you conveniently wrote down the name of, called Wilkinson's.
2: Wilkinson's depressing shithole. I wrote underneath. Yeah, uh, it's a <laughs> shop. I mean, I do shop there for my cat litter and my disinfectant, and but it's that sort of shop. It's like it's not a supermarket because it doesn't sell food, but it sells homewares. It's pretty, pretty bleak as a place. It's like mid range. You wouldn't want to work there. Happy to buy my cat litter there. Sorry, anyone listening does work there, but it's not—it's not your number one career choice, I would say. And I don't think Harry wants to be working there.
0: No, Harry decides to do some magic tricks because he's selling this knife, and he's talking about all the things that it can cut through, and then he just starts sawing through his arm, much to the horror—the absolute horror—of the people that he's trying to sell this knife to. So I thought that was pretty.
2: Actually, that the first time to uh, the first time I saw it, to my absolute horror as well, because I thought he'd cut his own arm i thought after the cutting his wife's head off i thought oh fucking hell what am i watching here <laughs> david Mitchell's was gonna cut his own arm off in front of us but no it's a magic trick
0: and despite the fact that the t- two customers that he's working with look completely horrified um co fellow co-worker linda looks just like completely enthralled by everything and um you know he's talking about how magic uh, magic brings happiness and this knife guarantees happiness and um, unfortunately he is ultimately fired um, I imagine it is just because the people he was selling to probably weren't too yeah I mean it's,
2: yeah, don't do that in front of children I mean, he probably did do it in front of a kid he's got that
0: <laughs> um, next scene we see what Carl has been up to Carl has a new what I guess manager supervisor named Otto yeah and when they first showed him with that fucking mustache <laughs> and goatee I was just like, Oh okay then
2: <laughs> He um so I don't know if you get I don't think you do get Darren Brown over there. I think we talked about this a bit last week, but the the beard is clearly a, a nod to Darren Brown, who I think he's kind of like basing himself on. He's like a poor man's Darren Brown
0: here. Okay. I just pulled up a picture of Darren Brown and yes, I can definitely see the similarities there.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. So Otto, his manager is just kind of talking to him about, you know, Oh, you've got to put this, you know, like magic shit behind you. You're the mind monger. You're a psychic. <laughs> the mind uh, monger.
2: I love that name. Sorry, just the mindmonger is is such a great name for a a psychic
0: guy. And I see I see one of us spelled monger correctly, and one of us spelled monger incorrectly. So, did did I spell it wrongly? No, I actually think that you spelled it right.
2: Oh yeah, no, I definitely did. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes. How did you spell it?
0: M O N G O R. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, no, I'm the English teacher. I definitely spelled it right.
0: So one of the little gags in this episode that I really liked is that or in this episode, in this scene that I liked was he's got a dove in a cage. It lives out the window. Yeah. But it's got clipped it's got clipped wings and it just falls to his death and <laughs> Carl is like That was, a, that him, was a stage dove. Its wings don't work. <laughs> in the next scene, we have Harry and he's at this loan office and um <laughs> uh this this was really like one of the first parts where I actually was like really laughing pretty hard. Um because he's trying to apply for a loan and he he tells the lady that he's is interviewing him, you know.
2: That's Miranda Hart, by the way. She's a big deal here.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I was not aware of Yeah, she's got her
2: that's own comedy series called Miranda and I'm not a massive fan of Miranda Hart, I must say. Her. I find her a tiny bit annoying, but she's a big deal. People, people love her. So she went on to greater things after this as well.
0: Oh my God. I'm just like looking at all the stuff that she's, um, that she's been in. Wow. Yeah. She's got like a primetime BBC
2: one show now.
0: Yeah. It also says that she was in the Melissa McCarthy movie spy. Which I didn't see, but uh...
2: oh, I've not seen that. No. <laughs> yeah. She's like really tall. That's her kind of thing, is that she's really tall and she goes on talk shows and talks about how she's really tall. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, if that's how you want your comedy, and clearly a lot of people here do, that's yeah, she's very popular.
0: Oh well that's that's good to know. Mm. But uh Harry has this poor little scene where he was like um she goes, Oh, do you mind if I ask how she died? And and Harry's just like, She was uh yeah, you know, the usual decapitated
2: <laughs> And then she says she is that in a car accident?
0: <laughs> yeah, and he's like, No, no, not a car accident. It was a magic accident. I I actually I actually cut her head off with a guillotine. It was a freak accident. There was seven different safety mechanisms. And then she pretty much just denies him the loan like right then and there.
2: Yeah, she says she's writing loads of notes, isn't she? And he says, just write that I'm a standard applicant. And she's like, I am writing that. And she keeps writing, she's like, I'm writing it twice.
0: (laughs) Yes, I really enjoyed that. Just write that I'm a standard applicant line. (laughs) It was a very Mark line. I thought it was very, this whole bit was very Mark. Oh, I agree with you 100% that I really felt like this was the most Mark scene in the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, very Mark. Um next we have Otto and Carl at the TV station and they're, um, they basically... they make a star
2: Wars joke. Apparently you wrote, I've written, did not get the star Wars joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> that went over my head. I've never seen star Wars. So,
0: well, well, what happens here is that they basically are crashing this executive meeting. Um, as they walk by the front desk to get in the lady, it's the receptionist. She goes, sir, I need to see your passes and carl does like the little hand wave like basically in the star wars movies uh, the jedi can mind control people to kind of a limited extent and it always takes like some sort of hand motion to do it and so as they walk by he's like you do not need right. to see our passes and she's like i have to see your passes right. and then he waves his hand again and he's like you have already seen our passes so i just thought it
2: was funny because it's quite amusing but now i know there's an actual joke in there even better
0: i mean and it could be just me reading too much into that um <laughs> <laughs> now i believe you if you if you know star
2: wars i'm sure you're right
0: um i really this this little pitch scene with otto and he's like he can work some serious fucking magic on your ratings i thought was pretty funny too
2: <laughs> yeah that whole bit in the in the tv studio very funny
0: Yeah, um, basically what happens is Carl, he tells the head executive you know, think of a word any word and she just says dickhead. (laughs) And he's like dickhead, okay. Now, if you'll turn to the window, you will see the exact word I implemented into your brain. And she turns and looks out the window and she sees a bridge. (laughs) And there's a banner that unfurls on the bridge that says dickwad. But pretty, pretty close and yeah, yeah,
2: I think that's Westminster Bridge, actually. That's like a, yeah, that's like a central bridge in the middle of London.
0: Were you impressed with how close he was able to to get to that? Or did you just think it was more, of course, she's going to call him a dickhead?
2: Uh, yeah, I thought, of course, she's going to call him a dickhead, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, there was no psychic, uh, psychic ability there, was there?
0: And basically, the executives kick Carl and Otto out. And as they're walking out, the T girl comes running up to them and this is when we first meet Danny and I believe that you told me that the actress that plays Danny um Andrea Riseboro.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: You said that she's kind of a she's kind of hot shit right now too, right? Yeah,
2: so she's um she's like she's not a comedy actor. She's more of a serious actress now. Um but she was just she's been in loads of things, but last year she was in something called National Treasure and she was um she played the daughter of the main character in that, and she was amazing. And um, she, yeah, she's she's a huge deal over here. I'm just looking to see what oh she's been in.
0: Um, oh, she was also the main female lead in the Tom Cruise movie Oblivion. Okay, well she
2: yeah she was in um, Birdman, which I saw and yeah she's just a big deal like she's a she's a huge deal over here now
0: oh my god she's won a ton of awards she says she on imdb she's won 18 awards holy christ that's yeah
2: i think she won, i was gonna say i think she won the bafta for national treasure
0: and she's yeah she's she's hot property wow that's that's crazy i honestly i'm just gonna go out I, i'm just gonna go ahead and just plant my flag here danny by far my favorite person in this entire movie
2: yeah, she's very funny in it. You can it's not surprising that she went on to be a big deal.
0: Oh my god, she she has so many scenes where I was just laughing so hard. She, the character that she plays, I feel like that she just really just jumped both feet in and just said fuck it, I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah, she's really really good. Oh, uh, let's see. So Otto is a little annoyed with Carl for kind of hitting on the T-Girl, especially because, you know, the T-Girl doesn't really have any proper, any power. Yeah, she's um,
2: um, she says, doesn't he, something like, oh, are you going to be on that game show where you, you become a TV executive for a day or something? Like, he's got no time for it whatsoever.
0: Yeah, yeah, she says, or Otto says, tell me, love, are you going to be on the show where you get to be a TV controller for a day? Danny says no. And then Otto just says, All right then. Well, we should probably just fuck off.
2: (laughs) I really enjoyed here as well, by the way. That um, that Carl says something about a factoid, which is a um, so on Radio Two, which is like the radio station for the middle aged over here. um, It's like a mixture of music and talk. There's a DJ called Steve Wright who does a show in the afternoon, and one of the sections on his show is factoids, where he shares factoids about. And I've just gone onto the Radio Two in the afternoon page, and the top factoid is. Arctic was once home to six foot seven penguins. So they're the kind of factoids that he comes out with. So I really enjoyed that Carl used the expression factoid
0: there. Yeah, he says the average person only uses 1% of their mind, but someone like me uses 17%. <laughs> yeah, and great, is just, great factoid. Yeah, Danny <laughs> is just, she is like fucking impressed with that. She's, She's
2: in fraud, isn't she? Do you think that Danny is a moron or is she just hopelessly naive?
0: I look at her as a person who really believes probably in, like, the afterlife, in ghosts, things of that nature. So because she believes so hard in something like that, she is just willing to kind of believe that that Carl can do all the things he says that he can do. I think she's probably
2: just a really nice person. That's kind of my thoughts about her that she's a nice person and she yeah,
0: she wants to think the best of people. She doesn't want to think that he's just a charlatan. Yeah. And well we'll get yeah. to that later, but um, yeah, I mean I think that she is just I, I think it's like you said, she's just gen genuinely a good person and then wants, you know, it but really believes that that he does the things that he says he can do. Yeah. Um so now we get Harry at Davenport's Magic Store, and I wanted to talk to to you about Davenport's Magic Store. I know that that last week we talked about my honeymoon, where I found the Magic Store. Yeah. Did we talk about that on the podcast, or did we talk about that off-air?
2: I can't remember, actually. I think it might have been off-air.
0: Okay. So, in case it was on the podcast, and I just don't remember... (laughs) I'll just give you basically the cliff notes. I'll give the uh, the listeners the cliff notes version. Yeah. On my honeymoon, we were in a small town in the middle of Arkansas, and in this small town in Arkansas, there was a magic store that was essentially like Davenport's Magic Store, where it was yeah. just where it was just you know like magic tricks and stuff like that everywhere. And the owner of the store did like a trick routine for me, and I just my mind was just. <laughs> blown and really ever since then i have fallen in love with magic and i have uh, i bought a book on on how to do card tricks and there's some card tricks that i can do at my job i actually keep decks of cards with me uh, and i use it kind of as an ice breaker, right um, to do just like little cheap magic right. tricks for people cool. so um Davenport's really, like, made me smile because it really made me remember the little magic store in Eureka Springs that sparked my love of magic.
2: It's nice that there's somewhere like that in America because I thought it was a peculiarly British thing, but it's it's nice that it's not, so,
0: yeah. I actually don't know if the place is still open or not. I'm kind of scared to Google it.
2: <laughs> you don't want to find out it's gone.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's probably closed. Nope, still open.
2: Oh, good, good, I'm glad.
0: Yes. So this is a
2: really funny scene isn't it and the um Harry's just he's trying to like persuade the owner of the magic shop to give oh. him a job of some description.
0: I felt so bad for him in this scene yeah. where he he's you know I could dem a few tricks be somewhat of an attraction and and Mr Davenport just kind of just kind of shoots him down. And he said yeah you could be an
2: attraction but not in a good way Harry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he he talks about you know I know that you're safe. I know that you're a safe magician, and it was just a freak accident. But you know it's you know nobody wants to see the guy that murdered his wife.
2: See, I don't think that's true. I think that there would be an audience for that. I do think they would uh, it would attract an audience. It's like it's tasteless, but I think they could make a lot of money off the back of it. So maybe Mister Davenport's not got his best
0: thinking hat on business wise. There. No, I completely agree with you because the attraction would be. Is he going to do it again?
1: Exactly.
0: You know, every time he breaks out, brings out the guillotine, it's like, oh shit, is he going to decapitate his wife again? Or his assistant again?
2: Exactly. Assistant. Exactly. Yeah, and I think you can make a lot of money with that. So Mr. Davenport, stupid.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mr. Davenport says that there's a person looking for cold readers for a psychic line. Are you familiar with what cold reading is?
2: Yes. So, um... Yes, cold reading, for anyone that doesn't know, is when you sort of fish for information based on things someone says or things they're wearing or the way they act in order to pretend to be psychic.
0: Exactly. Um, a lot of a lot of so a lot of quote unquote mediums are basically just people who are extremely good at cold reading.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you start off with just kind of general, well, there's a scene where they actually kind of show like a cold reading and will talk about that more I feel like we're saying we'll talk about that later but
2: I I tell you what I've got a good anecdote actually which is that I've got an aunt who is actually a I say genuine psychic she is a psychic that is what she works as Um, and I'm not saying anything she doesn't know she knows that I'm skeptical about it but she wholeheartedly believes that she can contact the dead and that is what she does for living
0: interesting yeah
2: so she is she's my dad's half sister she's much younger than my dad and she actually goes around the country to psychic events doing psychic things
0: have you ever had her give you a reading?
2: She, when I was about sixteen, she did say something to me that did later come true. But I would say that that was that could have happened to anyone. She's never given me an actual reading. I don't know. I, I'm I'm very much on the side of being very skeptical about this sort of thing. I'm not I'm an atheist. I don't really believe in an afterlife and such and such. But I do also believe that she's not faking. She believes what she believes is that she can do it. Whether or not that is true is. Up for debate, but I don't think that she's a Charlotte in the sense that she's cold breeding people. She definitely thinks there's something going on. I don't personally believe that it's possible, would <laughs> be what I would say. But she has got things put on and she's got a big following and people really believe in her, so who knows?
0: My you know, my opinion on that kind of stuff is if it brings you comfort, yeah. Like, just go for yeah, it. Like Definitely. And
2: she wholeheartedly believes that she um that she had made contact with her father after he died. He was my my dad's dad as well, though he didn't know him. It's all a, it's a complicated family history, but it gives her it gives her comfort to believe that she really believes it. So, uh, fair play, I would say. You know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. I've never actually in Eureka Springs there was a psychic and um. The reason that we went to Eureka Springs is that my mom and her sisters had gone there. They do like a sisters' vacation every year, right? And they had gone there, you know, probably like five or six years ago, and they saw a psychic. And the psychic, <laughs> um, I don't remember exactly what the psychic said, but it was something about me, right? And I'm trying to think if it ended up coming true later on. I I don't I don't remember exactly what had happened, but when we were in Eureka Springs, I actually wanted to go see the psychic. Right. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately she was closed on the weekend or it was something weird like that. She was closed on the weekend or um, she was just not in and, while we were there and so we never got to go see the psychic but i was i was a little bummed about that
2: yeah i mean it would be interesting
0: like my sister-in-law she um say my husband's sister she really believes
2: in it and she goes to like psychic nights and stuff and she's not affiliated with my aunt who's a psychic they're different sides of the family but my sister-in-law who's majorly into it like she really believes in it and she came home once and said she'd spoken to their granddad and my husband was like yeah he did um but she you know she believes in it and you know, who's to say? I suppose it's not something I personally think I believe in, but there's maybe more going on under the surface than we know. But I think it's fair to say that Carl has absolutely no psychic ability in this oh, film.
0: A hundred percent, yeah.
2: There's no. This is not exploring that side of psychic life. This no, is exploring no, no. the more charlatan side of psychic life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely the more charlatan side, like yeah, you said. Yeah. Um. Mr. Davenport, as he's writing down the phone number for the guy who's looking for cold readers, um, as Harry flips it over, he sees that there's a contest called the Magic Shield Uh Award, and he's like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. 20,000 pound prize. Buck yeah, let's go for it.
2: Yep, seems fair enough. He knows he's good at magic. He needs needs 20 grand, why not?
0: Um, What did you think of his apartment?
2: Uh, So I've written... Why is this like, like a 70s bachelor pad? It looks like something out of the Lightly like, Lads. It's 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 really anachronistic. It, it's, it's, like, it's all brown, isn't it? And very 70s.
0: For a guy who is allegedly having money problems, like I can't even imagine what the rent on that place must have been. No, it's like... Um, that was a nice looking it was, place. It was
2: very nice, albeit a bit 70s, but it was, it was big, and it was a bit Habitat, like the shop Habitat that is expensive but everything was decked out in that so i agree with you that was a bit out of
0: place um linda linda is there linda has a, a one sorry let me start over again linda is, is there as well one of linda's little character traits that i love is her sense of humor i don't know did you yeah uh, did you she's very funny and i do you know
2: spaced where um the program where jessica Hines found her are you familiar with it i'm not so this this part that she plays is very like the part she plays in space daisy who's like a kind of sort of sarcastic like slightly edgy millennial before they were millennials i suppose she's a in in space she's a bit more of a slacker than, than linda is but it's quite a similar part and yeah i agree that a sense of humor is very endearing in this role
0: yeah she she tells uh harry asks if she wants coffee and how she likes her coffee and she says i like i can i like my coffee weak and white like i like my men yeah that's a great line
2: really laughed at that
0: yeah and then he comes out and he says oh i bet you say that to all the people whose flat you've gone to and then he immediately is like oh my god oh my god i made such a terrible joke and he starts trying to explain the joke to her and she's just like you know fucking relax relax
2: she, she's pretty cool isn't she as well like throughout all of i was gonna say mark's neuroses throughout all of harry's neuroses throughout this film she's just like ah, chill out it's fine <laughs> so yeah yeah you know, that was this is very similar to the kind of things that go on with uh mark and with harry America. in this mark and harry in this film yeah yeah
0: um linda says that she <laughs> wants to do a dance audition for him <laughs>
2: This is brilliant. This dance, is, I mean, it really reminded me of, uh, so for some reason at my school, I had to do GCSE dance and I've got no, absolutely no talent any in any kind of sport or physical field. It was cruel, but I had to do this. And my best friend Jenna and my friend shelley we were in the same class and we had to go in groups and we had to make this dance up. And we were surrounded by all these girls who were just shit hot dancers. And we were like, what are we going to do? And we ended up choreographing a dance to Last Christmas by Wham! It was it was about three weeks before Christmas. So that was our inspiration. And it was just us doing these like formations of Christmas trees. And it was shocking. And it was awful. And it really reminded me of that.
0: Do you, is that on videotape anywhere?
2: <laughs> I'm glad to say it is not on videotape anywhere. It only exists now in the memories of me, Jenna and Shelley and the other girls in our class. But... it it was awful
0: um as she's doing this this dance that is both awesome and horrible uh david mitchell's face we get kind of the mark like (laughs) disgusted look on his face yeah it's really good it's really good oh did we mention the song that she's dancing to she's dancing to gay bar by electric (laughs) six which is not a song and i've written in my notes this was such a tune i'd forgotten what an absolute tune this was I think that i've maybe heard this song once in my entire life have you
2: never heard this before this was
0: that this was massive over here aren't they american no it was it was a hit it was a hit over here but uh, and i don't think we talked about this on air i don't really listen to a lot of music oh, okay yeah yeah so i i'd probably I'd, i like when the song started i was like oh we're gonna take you to a gay <laughs> bar and so you know i knew the i knew the song i couldn't have told you who it was by I assumed the name was Gay Bar, but I wasn't 100% sure about that.
2: Oh, Well, you're missing out because this was massive and it is a
0: great song and the video for it is hilarious. Did Electric 6 have any other songs or are they pretty much a one-hit wonder with Gay Bar? Uh,
2: Danger Danger High Voltage, do you know that? Mm-mm. <laughs> that was their other big hit. They kind of disappeared after that.
0: <laughs> um, the My favorite part is when she's just like... Oh, what's your favorite bit? And he and Harry is just like <laughs> the bit where you were on the floor. <laughs> she's sort of in
1: the
2: bit where she's on the floor, she's like, on her side, isn't she doing this sort of road runner thing? It's really bizarre. There's no way that could be anyone's favorite, but I like that he picked that bit from all of it.
0: And Linda is is like, look, I want to be your assistant in this in this magic tournament, and Harry is like well, let's not do it this year. <laughs> let's wait four years, or maybe another eight years, to really like get you trained. And she is in
2: four to eight years. Pr- with four to eight years practice, I think we stand a very good chance. That's what he says.
0: <laughs> and man, it is very, very funny. Um, I really enjoyed that part where yeah, it's very good. He's trying to like let her down easily, but you can tell that Linda is like not happy about.
2: Nah, she's crushed. She's yours. crushed
0: this next scene I am going to go ahead and play the the phone conversation between Harry and Carl because mm-hmm. I thought it was really really fucking funny yep. so here we go right,
1: forward, hello hello Carl this
0: is Harry a good shit
1: yes now listen I was thinking we should maybe enter the shield together Nothing? now look Talk about feelings, we, we both have feelings, that's horribly obvious, but, well, if you do not wish to think about entering, please replace the receiver now. If you wish to hear my thoughts, please stay on the line. Right, so, right, right? Okay, it would be strictly business, in, win, split the money, goodbye. No bar chat, bon or late night laugh sessions. If you're interested, please state the word interested at this point. Interested. Good. Then I was thinking for the prelims, we could do the cut down routine, the 10-minuter. If you're on board, please state, see you there, Harry, and we will see each other there. See you there, Harry. Likewise. Goodbye. Goodbye. Likewise.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, man. I love that when he's just like, no bar chat. Bon me, which I had to ask <laughs> you what that fucking means, or late night last sessions. If interested, please state the word interested at this point.
2: It's just it's really really well done as well. Like they both the look on um, Robert Webb's face while it's going on is perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that Harry wrote everything down on
2: little cards. Still, <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, it's like those YouTube videos where like the people play like the sad music and they hold yeah. the cards up and they just keep flipping them off <laughs> yeah. one by one. It was. It was exactly like that, except not about horrible stuff. Yeah,
2: it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, in 2008 I got breast cancer. It was, in 2008 I killed my wife by accident, but now I need money and you're the only one that can help me.
0: Oh man, this, that, that scene just had me laughing so hard. Oh my God. If you are not interested, please replace the phone receiver. <laughs> if you wish to hear my thoughts, please stay on the line. And Robert Webb's face, like, he looks, he has this look on his face where he's about to say, like, what the fuck? But then he realizes that he probably just shouldn't say anything, and he just doesn't say anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, he just keeps his mouth shut, doesn't he? That's it's just the wisest option. But he, does, but he does stay on the line, so it's clear that he does want to go and do the show with him.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, next, we get Harry, oh, Jesus Christ, Harry on a ferry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Try saying that when you've had a drink.
0: <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, Harry packs up all of his magic tricks into the biggest fucking van I've ever seen. I don't know how it's even a thing, so... But he ends up being on a ferry, and while on the ferry, Harry bumps into friend of the show, Steve Edge, who is portraying Tony White in this movie. Yeah,
2: and I had a lot back and forth on Twitter this week with Steve Edge, which I'll talk about later, but he plays... Uh, Tony to absolute perfection in this film, I think. I think he's... You said that Danny was your favorite character. I think Tony's my favorite character. He is hilarious in every scene that he's in.
0: Right, and one thing One thing that was awesome about Steve Edge in this show is I did not see him as Daryl. Like, to me, he was not Daryl. He was...
2: No, he's quite a different character to Daryl, yes, isn't Yes,
0: he was 100% Tony, and at no point was I like oh, why is Daryl doing magic tricks? He just, yeah. he's such a completely different character from Daryl. So it was kind of refreshing that he was one of the few characters in this where I wasn't like, oh, why is so-and-so doing such and such thing? Yeah,
2: and I know him um, from Phoenix Knights, which I know that you've not seen, but he, um, I'm not sure if that's where he made his name. I'm going to say it was or certainly where I first came to know him. And again, he plays Alan in uh, Phoenix Knights and it's quite a different character to Alan as well. So props to Steve Edge for for managing to, like you say, bring a bit of uniqueness to Tony in a film that otherwise sometimes doesn't have that uniqueness. A lot of the characters are like, okay, I've, I've seen that before. But Tony, definitely, I haven't.
0: And and I don't know what the fuck he was talking to this cashier about, but uh, he was he's talking about his... <laughs> God damn it. Uh fuck. He's talking about his jizz to the, this poor, like, cashier, and he's <laughs> saying, like, Third day loads of jizz, second day <laughs> less jizz, uh, or uh, first day loads, second not as much, third day none at all, or just I don't even fucking know what he's talking about. I couldn't.
2: No, he's just he's generally just talking about the amount of jizz at different points where he's we assume had sex qu- in quick succession. But it, oh. I've just written in my notes: jizz chat grim. That's that's really that sums it up. I think.
0: <laughs> oh yeah and harry sees uh, tony sees harry and they kind of start you know um you know st- you can tell that they have been friends or at least professional acquaintances in the past and this is also the first time
2: yeah they've known each other for a few years mm-hmm.
0: this is also the first time that we hear about harry's fear of flying He's not scared. He's just never done it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tony. So Tony says, doesn't he? Why? Are you, like I can't remember exactly what he says, but the implication is like, Jesus. Like, why are you on the ferry with the pobs? And uh, he, which makes us think, is Tony down on his luck, number one. Um. But also, you like you say, introduces us to the idea that Harry's scared of flying, and he says, I don't like to fly, which may or may not be true, as I've never actually flown. Which I kind of <laughs> identify with, actually, because I'm not sure. not sure if it's different for you as an american because obviously you've got to fly to get across the country and stuff i don't mind flying but it's not it's not my number one thing to do and i think that's probably the case for a lot of brits it's i wouldn't choose to do it
0: probably be just because i've done it so much not that i'm like you know mr world traveler or anything um flying is not really a big deal i mean the hardest part about flying is getting on the fucking plane because every airport in america is laid out differently right yeah you basically are getting like full rectal searches every time you (laughs) get on a plane so that's the hard part. right
2: okay yeah yeah i just i don't know it's especially being where we are i think and being in london and having i've grown up at a time where. We've had the Eurostar, so I've always gone to, or not always, but generally, if I've gone to France, I've always gone on the train. And you can get, I've been to loads of places across Europe on the train and by ferry and by road. And therefore, maybe it's just the way I grew up traveling around Europe as a kid and going on holiday, but planes, I haven't done it that much, probably in comparison to you. And I'm just not a massive fan. I'll do it, but I wouldn't choose to
0: hmm um is the uh is the hovercraft still around
2: uh i do think they are a thing but i've never been on one.
0: Oh, when my family went when we went to france on our our Br- british vacation that i've talked to you about mm. before i was fucking elated because we got to go on the hovercraft yeah. and i was so excited to go on the hovercraft
2: yeah and i do know that it's a thing but i haven't ever been on we it we
0: took the cat one of the catamarans back and i just i just remember i just got so seasick that it was it was like a <laughs> shitty experience. Um, the other thing that I like that Tony does in this scene is he basically is just, he just it goes up to random women and he's just like, suck my wand. It's magic. <laughs> and all I could think about was Mark in Man Show when he's like, yeah, I should have just said suck this and that's what a man does so i i like that and one of the women says to tony i will if you eat me out and he just like this look on his face he's just like ew ew that's disgusting
2: (laughs) no need for that oh that's disgusting yeah it's brilliant i i did enjoy as well that i mean i have known men a bit like this like probably not for a while and probably when i was younger maybe no names but i'm thinking of guys I was at university with who this was very much their method with women was if you ask enough women to have sex with you, someone's gonna have sex with you. And I thought that was well observed. Those men do exist.
0: hmm That's um that's like pickup artist one oh one is just keep your keep your numbers high and your standards. Low. Yeah
2: it's a numbers game.
0: hmm Um next we get to kind of this I don't know Castle almost type deal where the actual magic contest. Yeah, a country held.
2: house hotel kind of situation.
0: I'm assuming this is in Jersey because that's where the the actual tournament is going on. However, they did not actually film in Jersey.
2: No, was, this so. was filmed in Nottingham, I believe.
0: Also, what country is Jersey in?
2: So Jersey is in. It's part of Britain, but it's not mainland. It's it's much closer to France than it is to Britain. So it belongs to us, but. It's
0: a little island near France. There's... In this scene, there's all these people just doing various magic tricks, and I was just, like, giddy because, like I said, I just love magic. One... Oh, I guess probably this would be a good time to talk about this. Mitchell and Webb actually were trained as legitimate magicians and some of these tricks they actually were able to do on their own which i really impressed me that's very cool the scene jumping back a few scenes where carl is talking to danny and he just does like the sly hand and just pops the business card out from nowhere yeah if if robert webb actually did that like Good on him, because that was a really, really good slide of hand. Yeah,
2: he pulls it out from behind her ear, doesn't he? It's very cool.
0: There's these two like kind of weird guys that are are at the shield, and you, we kind of see them a few times, and they're almost kind of they're almost kind of the audience surrogates, I guess.
2: Yeah, they're sort of like a yeah, they take our place, don't they? In in terms of they sort of verbalise what we should be feeling. So we first see them in the in the magic shop, and they're here as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And they see they see Harry, and they're like, "Oh my God, did you?" Did you hear how her body ran around like a chicken after it happened? And
1: they're,
0: they're, but they're both kind of excited that Harry's getting back in the the magic game. Yeah. Uh, I was shocked because I was not aware that Peter Capaldi was in this um, movie either.
2: Yes, indeed.
0: I was, I was like, "Holy shit, Peter Capaldi! That's that's pretty cool."
2: Yep, he's in it as a pre Doctor Who Peter Capaldi,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: he's kind of in charge of the magic shield, isn't he?
0: Yep, yeah, he's like the head judge, and um, this this magician, that, so they're doing kind of the first round, like the opening rounds of cuts, to see who goes on to the second round, and there's a magician that's in there that's doing a routine with a cigarette. Um, Wikipedia actually, whoever did the Wikipedia page for magicians, like, I'm just going to give you some applause right now, because it was very, very thorough, so I'm happy to be able to sound <laughs> smart, and tell you who some of these people are, but I'll be honest, really, it was just Wikipedia. Um, The magician who's doing the routine at that point, his name is Pat Page, and he was one of Britain's leading magicians, and he died roughly three years after this movie. But I like the little routine he does with the cigarette. He just pulls it, you know, makes the cigarette appear out of nowhere, makes the fire appear out of nowhere, lights the cigarette, cigarette reappears in his ear, and then he just puts it out on his tongue. And he just kind of bows out, and Peter Capaldi's like, "Nah, you know."
2: There's no method to that. He just takes the pain.
0: <laughs> Which, if uh, if true, like, damn, that's some pain. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine like purposely burning my no, tongue like no. that. Holy shit!
2: But yeah, we see that um that the so the tension outside is palpable, isn't it? And we can see that everyone's very excited to see. Uh, that Carl and Harry have got back together for this competition. Um and they enter the competition mm-hmm. room and Mike, Peter Capaldi's character, just instantly says that they're through to the second round, they don't need to do a trick.
0: Yeah, he's he's talking about how we can kind of sort the wheat from the chaff and you guys are just going on to the second round. No no need to do uh no need to even do a yeah. trick. But Carl really wants to do a trick anyways and so he starts doing this one and then Harry's like, no, 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 I thought we could do the bullet catch.
2: <laughs> and obviously with your um, reading of the film where Harry is a dangerous psychopath, obviously uh, Carl is quite right to so not want a gun anywhere near. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. As as the reading of the film where, where Harry is a dangerous psychopath, I am completely on Carl's side in not wanting to do the... Um, do the um yeah the bullet catch and then the funny part in this entire scene, Mike comes up to Harry and he's like, "Look, you know, we're going to be working with our PR department. Um, we're going to try to min- minimize the damage from, um, you know, from the wife decapitation, and we think we could make this a good thing." And the entire time this scene is going on, <laughs> Harry is waving around like a big fucking gun. Yeah. It's like basically Dirty Harry's revolver from the Dirty Harry movies yeah. where it's just a big, big gun. And I'm sure some gun person out there is going to be like, well, actually, that's a Mark 17 revolver. I don't know shit about guns, so I don't know what kind of gun it is. It's a big-ass gun. No,
2: it's just a scary gun. It's a war gun, to quote Peep show.
0: I also like when the two idiots are talking about the first time Harry and Carl meet each other, and they're like, it's like Israel and Palestine Entering into a magic show.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. And there's a great bit as well outside the uh, magic room as well where Tony and uh another character who is Dwight who we then find out is his son uh appear. So they meet for the first time in is it eight months, he says. They've not seen each other in eight months. And and uh Tony says we should hang out more, you never call. And the son says you never call. And then they have a little bit of back and forth and the sun gets a little bit testy and he's like, Back off mate, I'm still your dad. Uh, and the chemistry between them is really, really good. <laughs> the sun is played by um Rasmus Hardeker, who is in Le Balloon which I don't know if you're familiar with, but that was a comedy over here on BBC four. Um that was had it starred it was written and written by and star Jack D. And uh, Rasmus Hardeker is in that as the boyfriend of his daughter and he's brilliant in that and he's very good in this film as well
0: it's it's funny that you bring that up because I actually had to look on IMDB because I literally could not understand what Steve Edge said his name was. Right. So I had to look up on IMDb to see what his actual name was. Um so I did see his name was Rasmus Hardiker, but I had no idea that he was in, you know, anything else.
2: Yeah, he I'm not sure what else he's been in other than that, but I know him from Le Balloon, um, and he is brilliant in that. He is um like I say, he plays the the character's daughter's boyfriend, and he's like a stoner, slacker, waste of space, and he's he's just brilliant in it.
0: I could see he's got that look to play that kind of character.
2: Yeah, Ben, that's his name, um, and he's yeah, he plays Ben really well, and him and Jack D really um play off each other well, and he plays off Steve Edge brilliantly here as well.
0: They do they they play off each other really well. This and the scene basically ends with Harry and Carl each announcing that they're going to go solo yep. and they're going to enter the, you know, contest Alone. individually. Yeah. So now we start to see kind of them both designing their first round tricks. Um, Otto and Carl are at the beach and Carl wants to do a trick called Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> um, Otto wants him to do it either in a tree, in a pond or buried up into his neck in sand
2: he mentions David Blaine, doesn't he, who I'd completely forgotten about. I was like, oh yeah, oh. that was a thing that people enjoyed for a while.
0: Yeah. Uh, Robert, and I think we mentioned this earlier, uh, Robert Webb was buried in sand and was really buried in sand and he hated it and could only be in buried in, in the sand for 30 minutes at a time before he started to kind of get like panic attack. Panic,
2: yeah.
0: Which I don't blame him because it sounds fucking horrific. Yeah,
2: yeah, I wouldn't like that.
0: Um, He asks Otto what he's going to do for food, and Otto says you don't need food, you are living off your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now we see Harry and he is back in his trick van, but Linda has just kind of shown up out of nowhere. I really enjoy this part where he's like, you're so brave for flying, and she's like, oh, it's no big deal, and he's like, but you're so brave.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thousands of feet up in the thin air
0: yeah yeah um linda just kind of pretty much goes straight for the gist of things and she's like oh you must have been pretty desperate to call me and he's like no no not at all and she's like it's okay i know that she's like i won't do the dance okay well not do it a bit
2: and then she says i might do the dance a bit when you're not looking and
0: then she's like i'm just <laughs> kidding i'm not gonna do the dance but i really enjoyed that part yeah it's really funny the more i talk about linda Linda and Danny, to me, are pretty much the highlights of this movie for for me.
2: Yeah, she's she's Jessica Hines kind is of strong in, in this film and strong in this part. I think
0: um, they go into the back of, they go into the back of the van and and she starts to kind of ask about his former assistant, and mm. I don't know if this jumped out at you, but how the fuck has Linda not heard this story of Harry? Quote accidentally killing his wife with a guillotine.
2: Yeah, like considering they work together as well. If someone turned up at my workplace, who'd accidentally killed their wife and been cleared of it in a coroner's court and it you know that that would have come up. Someone would have mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that Wilkinsons is in a hotbed of gossip. I'm sure it would have come out.
0: Oh, right. E- and even if she, even if she had zero interest, well, obviously she knows that he's a magician, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like that this. I feel like that if this story actually happened, that it would have been everywhere. Yeah. My, my only thought is that maybe since it happened four years ago, she had heard about it, but maybe couldn't remember which magician it was, etc., etc.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. She finds the. He's trying to like, you know, oh, we're going to do this trick with magic squeeze balls or something like that, and she sees the guillotine and she's like oh let's do the guillotine trick and he's like no I don't want to don't want to do it here and um she is like Harry I didn't fly out all this way to not win like we're gonna win and where are we gonna I can't remember exactly how she gets there but she's like where are we gonna fuck them Harry and Harry's just like in in the auditorium and she's like no no Harry (laughs) in the arse, <laughs> right in the arse, say it. And he's just like, we are going to fuck them in the arse. And he, and she's like, yeah, <laughs> that, that part really, yeah, really cracked me up.
2: So we move into a, a dinner party now with Carl and Otto. And um, I think it's like a dinner for the contestants. And Danny just shows up out of nowhere and Carl says they've been texting each other.
0: Yeah. Otto is like, oh, my God, she's a stalker. She's, you know, a stalker. You shouldn't talk to her. Like, that's crazy that she came all this way out here. You know, she's gross. Don't talk to her. She probably keeps poo in her handbag. <laughs> it's
2: a very Jez line. It made me think of, like, when he calls, Um. oh, is it in the one with the crystal skulls where he says, he calls, he says, he writes, he, he draws mean cartoons about you and wraps them in sausage meat and calls your sausage muncher. It was a very kind of... uh Jay's line there, I thought also used.
0: Um Carl goes to pretty much talk to Danny and this scene, holy Christ sorry. This scene, holy Christ, was really, really funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, so she completely believes in him as a psychic, doesn't she? At this point. And she says, uh, oh, oh no, it's Carl who says, Would you like a drink? And she says, Oh my god, that's so freaky, you knew exactly what I was thinking.
0: I like that no matter what he says it's always the right answer like he asked her what kind yeah. of, what kind of drink she wants and she's like oh don't ask me you tell me what kind <laughs> of drink i'm thinking about
2: <laughs> yeah and she said he says uh white wine and she's like yeah that's exactly what i drink white wine or sometimes red wine or sometimes a lager so like you say whatever he said he would have been right there
0: i really that part was was funny so in this next scene we get mark and linda in the jesus christ (laughs) i just did it harry and linda in the hotel room and they are practice practicing a levitating trick earlier on he had showed her the levitating harness in the back of the trick van and he said that carl really didn't have the core strength to do the levitation trick so or the upper body strength or something like that to do the levitation trick so they never did it so he's he's really excited she tells him that the harness is too tight and to kind of loosen it a little bit. Um, And then as soon as he's he's done, like, kind of loosening it, she's like, oh, thank God the sexual harassment is over. And he's like, oh!
2: Yeah, he gets really flustered. She's a bit sort of... She's making kind of slightly risque jokes, isn't she? And he gets really flustered by it. And it's a bit like... It reminded me of Mark and show when... Initially, when Dobby's being a bit saucy and he can't handle it.
0: As he's trying to, like, loosen her harness, too, she's also... You know, oh, tell me about your assistant. Oh, you married her? Oh, you're married? Oh, you're, you know, she just kind of keeps pumping him for information about his former assistant. Also, one other cool little tidbit that I learned on Wikipedia. Magibot, who's the magician with kind of the, like, the silver face paint on. That he's played by a magician named Scott Penrose, who was in charge of teaching Mitchell and Webb how to do actual magic tricks. And he was actually like excommunicated from like essentially the Magicians Guild for um, (laughs) ruining um, uh, for basically revealing the secrets of how magic is done. He was basically like excommunicated from the Magicians Guild. Oh, I didn't know
2: that. He was thrown out the magic circle. Yeah,
0: yeah. the magic circle definitely thrown out of the magic circle. Oh, good. I really, but going back to the way that Linda constantly makes you know, kind of dirty jokes and enjoys watching Harry get flustered. That's probably my favorite character trait of hers. And she does it quite a bit.
2: Yeah. So we go into the convention hall now with people. They're doing like the tricks and Harry and Linda are together. And Linda's really excited. And she's really loving all the
0: different tricks. And oh my God, I loved all these tricks too. This, this scene was honestly probably one of my favorite scenes in this entire episode, just from a pure, like magic geek perspective, mm. I love this scene so much. I was just like, I would go to this convention. Yeah, in a and heartbeat. she's really like,
2: she's child- got a childlike wonder about it, hasn't she? She's very wide eyed about everything. <laughs> and um, and Dwight is trying to do a trick called the flowers of love, and Tony's giving him a really hard time about it. And once again, the chemistry between those two is really really good. It's really funny, and Tony's really impressed by the trick and wants to know how it's done. But Dwight just says that he made up the mechanism and he's not going to tell him. Um, and Linda's really impressed with the trick. And, oh, yeah. like, she's really wide-eyed and can't believe it. it's, you know, not magic. And um,
0: I'll he's... be honest, I was fucking impressed <laughs> with this trick, too.
2: I wonder if it is a known trick, or if someone came up with it for the film. I don't know. I'm,
0: sh- I'm sure this is... I mean, Vanishing Flowers is probably, you know, ma- Magic 101. Yeah. I'll have to ask my downstairs neighbor, because he is a magician, and I sometimes talk to him about... Magic and stuff like that. So I'll I'll ask him if this is a known trick.
2: That sounds cool. Who know. Yeah. And um, Dwight says, um, no, sorry, Tony says that it's something like he learn everything. Everything he knows, he learned from me. And Dwight says the only thing I learned from you is how to be selfish <laughs> shit. Uh,
0: that was really funny. And
2: it's really good. And like the bitterness is real there.
0: Yes. Tony then kind of starts hitting on Linda, and he's like, oh, you know, all the rumors are true. Oh yeah. Except the except the one about him sucking off a duck yeah. which I initially thought he said dog and so every time that I have listened to this I thought he said dog which made the next joke joke where he tossed up a bunch of feathers right in Linda's face make zero sense to me <laughs> like I had no idea what was going on there but then once you yeah. correctly
2: and he definitely says yeah he definitely says duck but I'm prepared to accept that Steve had just got a very strong accent in
0: this. So we are back at the beach now and um so if it sounds like we're doing this again, I don't know why it sounds like we're doing this again, so we'll try to be enthusiastic about the next <laughs> We'll try to be enthusiastic about the next fifteen, twenty minutes of this. Uh but if the next like twenty minutes we sound a little unenthused, it's because we had a little
2: recording issues. Uh,
0: we had a little recording issue. Um, <laughs> So we're at the beach where Carl is going to be buried up to his neck in his in in sand, and Carl's like really concerned about how deep he's going to be buried in the sand. <laughs> like, there's this backhoe.
2: Yeah, understandably. Yeah, there's yeah. this
0: backhoe just digging out like a, a really deep pile of sand, and while he's kind of talking about this, Otto's on the phone with a TV executive, and they're just kind of talking about how they're going to be live streaming the trick and how the TV executive wants Carl's face to be the face of the network or.
2: And, um, and he's really, Carl's really excited about this. And he says, you've made them want my face. you the bloody king. And, um, Otto takes this the wrong way. Doesn't he, he thinks that there's, he takes, I mean, he takes any attention from Carl the wrong way because he gets too enthusiastic about it, but he gets really enthusiastic about this piece of attention.
0: Right. And, um but one of the of course one of the downsides to this is that the meeting with the executives is tonight carl also has a date with danny tonight yeah,
2: he's arranged that already um and otto just tells him that he has to cancel it
0: and and carl's like oh of course i'll of course i will and i don't even have to think twice about it and otto is like yeah well you shouldn't have to think twice about it and he's just like yeah i well I'm
2: not. <laughs> no
0: i'm not and
2: Oh yeah, and then that's when Otto says that he um he says you and me we're the team having a laugh, having a kiss, and Carl just looks at him like, the fuck? He obviously does not feel this way about Otto. Um <laughs> in any way.
0: Yeah, and and Carl just looks at Otto and he's like, Oh well that was an accident, and Otto's like, Well, we've had a lot of accidents then.
2: And did he say something about like, Oh, what about we're in a taxi and our legs touch or something, and it's clear that he's just taking any any tiny any tiny bit of attention from Carl to mean that he loves him.
0: Yeah, it's really, this this little, the first time that I was watching this, I was like, oh, well, was not expecting this to be the direction that this storyline was going.
2: (laughs) No, (laughs) it was, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's quite clear that Otto is in love with Carl
0: now. In the next scene, we have Harry in the bathroom doing a whittle. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, he's having a widow, And Otto is way too close to him and uh, does a, a Jeff from um, on the pool in Peep Show here where he just leaves no buffer in the bathroom whatsoever. Oh, God, I just said bathroom like I was an American. In the toilet, he leaves <laughs> no buffer whatsoever.
0: <laughs> and you can say, yeah, washroom, bathroom, loo, toilet, loo's, all, loo's all is acceptable.
2: Say, yeah. He leaves no buffer in the loo whatsoever and he just comes into the urinal right next to him and starts trying to have a conversation with harry
0: and i hate people that do this because for for men using the bathroom is kind of a solitary thing you know yeah
2: for girls you know it's more of a group activity and the girls go in groups but i, I know that that boys don't do that
0: sorry we're like really really rushing through this scene but that's okay <laughs> That's okay. I want to get to stuff we haven't talked about yet, but um, but, Otto is kind of funny in the scene because he's just like, hey, hey, Harry. Hey, Harry. Hey,
2: Harry. Hey, Harry. He's really trying to have a conversation with him and Harry says, I heard you. I was ignoring you on purpose, you know, to be rude.
0: <laughs> um, Otto tells Harry that he is just bitter and then he also kind of drops this bombshell that him and him and Carl told Linda about what happened in the incident and that she was really upset about him not telling her about said incident.
2: Yeah, which he would be.
0: Yes. Um, Harry goes to Linda's hotel room to try to find her, to kind of, you know, explain his side of the case, but there is a, like, a a maid, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah, chambermaid. She answers the door and she says that the room's been vacant since this morning.
0: Right, now... This really pisses Harry off. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> no, he's really upset. No
0: pun intended. But he he walks out to the beach where Carl's buried up to his neck in sand and he just like undoes his fly and he's about to just piss all over Carl. Carl is like you know kind of trying to plead his case why he should not be pissed on and then Harry's just like, "Oh, can't even go. You escaped punishment again. Like, how do you always do that?
2: <laughs> and he really, he's, he really wants an apology from Carl, doesn't he? And he says this, and Carl sort of acts dumb, like, "What do I need to apologize for?" And he says, "Well, for having it away my wife, for scaring off my sister, for ruining my life." Like, it's at the point where all the resentment comes bubbling up, and they have the conversation that Harry promised faithfully they wouldn't have.
0: Yeah. That's I didn't I didn't really think about it from that perspective where he's doing the one thing that he swore he would not do, which was yeah. talk about feelings.
2: Yeah, they're definitely talking about their feelings here. Right. I
0: like that I like that he tells Carl to shut up and apologize and then Carl's just like, How do I shut up?
2: <laughs> how can I do that? Yeah, how can I shut up and apologise? Has
0: Sadie ever done that to you?
2: Yeah, that's a that would be something that my three year old daughter would very much do. She'd pick up <laughs> on the Yeah inconsistencies in what i was saying so that told you the mentality
0: of carl uh, that's like it's you know like when you tell somebody like hurry up and wait yeah
2: yeah
0: um so harry decides that he has got to get to london to find linda so he leaves the beach and he gets in a cab and he's asking the cabbie you know is there no super fast hydrofoil is there a catamaran it's just a plane right
1: <laughs>
2: yeah there's no other option for him and I think this is my favourite bit in the whole film and certainly the bit that stayed, sort of stuck out in my memory when I was thinking about it, when I was talking about it. And I, the people that I canvassed um, in the JLB group and on Facebook and people that I spoke to generally about the film all remembered this bit where he is absolutely terrified of getting on a plane and completely freaks out.
0: Yeah, when he's on the plane, April?
2: Oh, from Peep Show, from, uh, from University Challenge, yep.
0: Yeah, she like the middle passenger, and David Mitchell's face is just so goddamn funny in the scene because he's like sweating and his eyes are like bugging out, and he just looks so scared. Yeah, he's
2: sweaty and terrified.
0: <laughs> and and April's like, "Oh, would you would you like a piece of gum? It can help with the air pressure." And he's just like, he just looks at her, and the first thing he says is, "I chopped my wife's head off," and she's just like, "Oh, oh okay, oh, okay, yeah, yeah," and he's like if this plane crashes, it's going to be all my fault.
2: <laughs> yeah, so he thinks there's going to be some sort of divine retribution for cutting his wife's head off, and it's going to involve the plane going down in flames.
0: One one thing that I had written is because it was a little unclear to me if he actually got off the plane at this point and then just took a cab to London. However, I was not aware that Jersey was an island, so you, you have cab to London circled with a little note that said, <laughs> couldn't be a couldn't be a taxi, it's an island, you wanker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so Jesse is an island, and he would have had to take a plane, but he's got off the plane at the other end, and he gets in a cab to Linda's house.
0: There's a little, like, throwaway line where he has, where he's like, oh, thanks for driving so fast, maybe you should go back and check on that dog.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's really funny.
0: <laughs> but as he gets out to go ring Linda's doorbell, Linda actually beats him to the punch and just rings him on the phone, and she's like hey where are you you know we've only got two hours before it's our time to be on stage and he's like
2: yeah and he pretends doesn't need to he doesn't want to let her know that he's freaked out and gone to london so he pretends to um be in a salarium oh yeah so he um pretends to he's pretending isn't he that he's in he, he needs to go to the salarium and she's like "But we need to practice now and it's like no we I, I will not i will not move on this i need to go to the salarium <laughs>
0: Right, and then this this next part I really like too because he jumps back on a plane to go go back, and he's still again, you know, just completely shaken about doing the the plane flight. And
2: if anything, this is is funnier I think than the first plane scene because he's like he's like twice as terrified. Being obviously going on the plane once is not shaking his conviction that flying is terrible, and he. Um, he is talking. He's sitting next to a man this time, isn't he? He's, he's jabbering away to him.
0: Yeah, there's because there's a <laughs> announcement over the PA where it's like, "Could Mister Smith please make himself known?" And in Harry's head, that's just code. He says that they he used to work at a supermarket. We'd play La Cucaracha <laughs> if there was a fire. I'm telling you, that's code. We are all going to die.
2: <laughs> and he's doing like scared whispering, and he's yeah he's sort of trying to keep his voice down but it's not working because he sort of shout whispering and um and definitely that's my favorite line in the whole film i think that's <laughs> absolutely just has me in tears every time i see it
0: yes it w- i used to work at walmart and they had you know codes for like everything like <laughs> if somebody peed on the floor or pooped on the floor it was a code yellow you know, there was like code blue and all this stuff, and we had to know all these codes in case they ever happen. We had like contingency plans for all of them, and
2: it's um I think it's quite a common thing in resale. My friend Nonya worked in a classic accessories in Dublin, and they used to play Let's Get Ready to Rumble by PJ and Duncan if there was gonna like a fight had broken out outside. So <laughs> clearly, this is this is something that happens a lot in resale environments.
0: All right, nay, and now we're on. Now we're on new stuff. We're yeah, back we're back in the
2: game. <laughs> We've not talked about it. My daughter's not awake. It's all good. We can, we can get through this.
0: We can. And <laughs> Laura, again, I have to thank you because I know it is very late where you are. So no, I Don't worry. Your... That's
2: fine. No, no problem. I had a disco nap. I'm fine.
0: All right. I appreciate you working <laughs> with me here. No worries. So we're we're back at the uh, back at the shield and Tony is doing a pretty lame magic trick.
2: Yeah. And... <laughs> um, it's it's absolutely shit isn't it and he's um the the audience are less than impressed the judges are less than impressed and he says uh the curtains close and he says they're a bunch of hard nuts and he says unless you can turn water into wine this lot aren't interested
0: yeah um next we have otto on the stage and he brings out a tv and he turns on the tv so we can see carl buried up to his neck in the sand and I, ha- I know that you didn't like the Mr. Potato Head trick. I thought this was actually really, really funny.
2: Yeah, I just thought it was a bit stupid. But yeah, like, <laughs> no, I mean, it raised so a stupid. smile, but yeah, it is really stupid.
0: It was so stupid. Basically, what Mr. Potato Head is, he has a bucket put over his head so you cannot see Carl's face at all. He tells this kid to just take out random parts and design a Mr. Potato Head face. And then when they take the bucket off... Carl has like the exact same shit on his face. It is so stupid. But oh my god, it made me it made me laugh every time that I watched this movie where he's like, Oh, it's Mr. Potato Head.
2: The bit that didn't make me laugh in that was I think is Otto says something about and his childlike assistant and it is literally a child. There's like a four year old standing there the bucket. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> the next um, Yeah, go on. Oh, I was going to say, the next ma- magician that comes out, I really couldn't understand what they said his name is. It sounded like they said Deepmock the Clown or something like that.
2: Yes, I, I don't disagree with your name there. I don't know what he was called, but yeah, it was something like that.
0: Yeah, uh, Wikipedia unfortunately fails me here because um, it just says the person who played him. Um, yeah, but it not doesn't what have it, it on
2: IMBD. It doesn't have it either, so we'll never know.
0: We'll never know. We're just going to go with Deepmock. Um, but Peter Capaldi has a really funny line here where he's like, and I do need to let you know that this performance contains a trouser drop <laughs> and the item displayed, no matter how realistic looking, is not his actual penis and scrotum. <laughs>
2: and he says that local bylaws require him to him to tell the oh, audience, he- which really made me laugh because that is, that is a real thing over here where... That's like often the case in in different places as you travel around the country. That you'll be made aware of local bylaws, particularly for like pubs and stuff like that. So that I thought that was a really funny touch. <laughs>
0: um, the magician that plays Deep Mark, uh, his name is Ali Bongo, and I mean, it's still uh, his Wikipedia page. I mean, he seems to be like pretty prolific. Um, but we have Harry rushing back to the shield while Deepmock is doing his little weird routine. Um, He's getting dressed and as he's getting dressed in the background, you just see Deepmock pull his pants down and there's like a very like pronounced fake penis. And
2: I I really laughed at this as well, because the fact that that Peter Capaldi's character had gone to such um, pains to tell the audience that it wasn't real. And even from a distance, I don't think that would look real. (laughs) It is very clearly not real.
0: Oh, yeah, it's very clearly not real. But, you know, I think I actually think it because the background is a little blurry. I actually think that if I hadn't just watched this scene in a nutshell, that I would have thought he was like really pulling his dick out. But
2: yeah, you might be right. Yeah. yeah.
0: We go back to Otto on the beach with Carl and they're digging Carl out of the hole. And uh, this was probably the start of one of my favorite running jokes through the last half of this movie is Otto is prepping Carl for the meeting tonight and he basically says like hey Carl if you say anything that undermines my bargaining position I'm just gonna say Courtney Cox
2: <laughs> yeah that's their code word
0: and uh, also Carl was wearing a, a wetsuit while he was um, buried in the sand so Otto kind of like unzips the back of his wetsuit and kind of rolls the top down he puts a he puts a towel around him and is kind of like pulling him close. And Carl's just like, you know, Hey, Hey, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. And, um, Otto is like, what, what? Uh, I'm not gay either. You're the one that's gay. Gay? It's not the
2: eighties. I like that line. That was funny.
0: And then, um, as they're walking off, Otto just calls out and he's like, remember if it's all going tits up, I'm going to drop the magic word, Courtney Cox.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Great safe word.
0: Oh, that's uh, that's gonna become my new safe word is Courtney Cox. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: and I, I like that he makes a joke that he's like, oh, well, you can bring Courtney Cox into every conversation. I think that that was probably the most dated reference in this entire movie. <laughs> yeah, who's like,
2: oh yeah, who's who's still thinking about Courtney Cox? She's she's not on my radar anymore.
0: No, could you imagine if you were in a meeting and you just started talking about Courtney Cox? People be like, <laughs> the fuck are you mental. talking about? <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm not even so we,
0: I'm not even yeah. sure in two thousand seven if Courtney Cox was still
2: No, I mean friends have been over for like what three years by then? Oh longer I than grew, I,
0: I think longer than that. Because I think uh, yeah, it ended I, in like two thousand.
2: No, it didn't it ended in two thousand and four, definitely. No. Yeah, it ended the year I went to university, so that's definitely true.
0: Oh well, let's see what goo Oh fuck, you were right, May sixth, two thousand four. <laughs> okay, so Yeah she was still somewhat relevant. That's weird. I thought I could have sworn that Friends Ended went before I joined the military.
2: No, Zephany, it, it was my, it was the day after my then boyfriend's birthday, the year I went to university, because we watched it together. I remember very well. Oh,
0: interesting. Good, good yeah. to know. Good to know.
2: <laughs> good knowledge, yeah. Good friends' knowledge.
0: Um,. So then we go back to the S.H.I.E.L.D. tournament and Harry and Linda are doing the levitation trick and everybody's applauding and it's fine and they're all happy and Linda's like, well, I want to know where you went because he ends up confessing that he did decapitate his wife and um, going.
2: She's very laid back about it, isn't she, actually? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, you know, well, actually, I'd be more worried about doing the. Guillotine trick. Do you hear me? Pause every time I start to say that word, yeah. I'm making sure I'm pronouncing it right. She's like, I'd be more worried about doing a guillotine trick with someone who hadn't cut off his wife's head. Um, something about lightning. Plus, lightning doesn't strike twice. And Harry's just like, Well, actually, it does.
2: And this is very indicative of her whole outlook, isn't it? She says she's a glass on full kind of person. We've already said that she's quite. Chilled about things, she's quite easygoing, and this shows it more than ever that she's she's very forgiving. She's got she's got a very very sunny outlook on life.
0: Except for the end of this scene here, because she's trying to like I don't know, put the moves on Harry and he's just like not interested, and yeah. she's like, well, fine, fuck you then. Yeah,
2: she's having none of it.
0: Yeah. Um Now we go to Carl and Otto's meeting. <laughs> this oh my god, this this TV show sounds horrific.
2: It, it sounds exactly like the sort of thing they would put on the telly, though. Like I don't know about over there, but certainly the daytime schedules on ITV are ex- a prime for this. This would this would fit right in.
0: There was a. I'm actually looking up who this was. There was a, a on the sci-fi network. There was a show about a medium that he would do. John Edwards. Yeah, what was it called? Crossing. crossing Crossing over over. yes
2: that's been that's been on um on tv over here we've we've had that yeah i've seen
0: it yeah so it really sounds like that they're just trying to do crossing over with john edward but have the mind monger as you know have it be (laughs) have it be the mind monger instead of carl or instead of john edwards um and I really enjoyed
2: the um, the male TV sec- executive in this scene is, um, I'm not sure of the actor's name, but he plays Clive in Grandma's House, which was um, a sitcom over here with Simon Amstel, who's a big deal. He's a stand-up comedian. Um, and he's, he's marvellous in that, and he's very funny here. He says that he wants the mindmonger to... The format of the show could maybe be that he talks to murder victims from the afterlife and gets them to say who murdered them. (laughs) Which is, that would be a great show. Like, of course, that'd be marvelous. So that really made me laugh. And then the female exec jumps in and says, or they could do like a review show of TV of the week and get famous intellectuals or Mozart to comment on it.
0: And then as they're starting to really talk about the show and what they want, Carl is just Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox
2: Courtney, Cox. Courtney like, Cox.
0: screaming Courtney Cox and um, Otto is just like completely ob- oblivious to Carl's like desperate pleas for help and um
2: and then he says doesn't he just really likes friends so he's obsessed with friends
0: yeah he just I'm sorry he's just a friend yeah but one thing that I do kind of like about Carl is that I don't think that mind monger is really what Carl wants to be because he is continuously, continuously trying to get out of, of the mind monger persona and nobody just, you know, nobody lets him do it.
2: (laughs) No, he's, he knows. And in the next scene, actually, he, he knows it's not right. Doesn't he? He knows it's, it's, it's wrong. And he does say in the next scene, um, where him and danny are walking on the beach the next day he says that magic's got traditions it's what codes of conduct, and things you don't do and that this is one of the things you just don't do
0: yeah and i really sh- i really think that that shows like a good side of of carl yeah, he's,
2: he's got some integrity he doesn't necessarily act on that integrity but he does know what's right and wrong and in his heart he does want to be a good magician
0: He's he's very different from Jeremy in the, in that regard because you know like we were talking last week about how Jeremy just is not really in control of his own sexual destiny. I feel that no. I feel that there's a little bit of that same aspect with Carl here, but that he's much more you know that he has principles and he has morals and by God he is not going to violate those principles and morals. No. no. I agree with you yeah so we kind of have already been talking about this scene but the next day after the meeting carl and danny are walking on the beach and um he's kind of trying to talk to danny and he's you know basically saying like we were kind of talking about that he doesn't want to be a medium danny's like oh is that because it's so draining on you and he's like no <laughs> no it's not because it's draining and um she's like oh i think this that- is it sorry go Oh, she's like, oh, I think that's cool that you can contact the dead. Can you channel the spirit of my father? And, and he's just like, no, no. And she kind of like begs him. So he's like, yes. And he puts his fingers on the side of his head. And he's like, um, uh, I'm trying, but the ectoplasm is too thick. And But that just impresses Danny even more. She's like, oh, my God you were able to reach over to the other side. And he's just like, Oh my fucking God. I <laughs> not really. Not yeah. I deal with this anymore.
2: There is a bit that really made me laugh here as well, where he says that getting on TV is really hard and you can't just ring in and say, you're going to fit in for Jamie Oliver. And then Danny replies, yeah, but anyone can make a sandwich and just go on and on about it. You can contact the dead, which really made me laugh.
0: Uh, is Jamie Oliver, is it like a cooking show or something? <laughs>
2: yeah. He's a, he's a TV chef. Yeah.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Um, Next we have the dinner where they determine the next round of contestants. Peter Capaldi has like a really funny bit here where um you know, he's talking about how they have to have a certain amount of female contestants to fit the demographic and <laughs>
2: Um, it certainly is something and you've put in your notes to ask about affirmative action in England and certainly it is a thing you know for arts funding and things like that we hear about that there has to be certain demographics of people that they let in and obviously we've just had all this I don't know if you've heard about this scandal um, with the pay gap in the BBC and the fact that women are uh, like for like being paid so much less than men so it's something that's come up in the news in the last few days is whether or not we should be Getting more women into these jobs and stuff, so it definitely is a is a hot topic.
0: Yeah, I actually saw something on because my Twitter feed is decidedly British, um, just based off of who has sent us friend requests after the Matt King tweet, and I saw I've seen people kind of posting, and actually, what's funny is the trending section in my Twitter in in the show's Twitter feed tends to lean towards. What's trending in Britain, and not <laughs> what's necessarily what's trending in the United States.
2: I think so. before, um, before I sort of started using it more, it, and before Matt King tweeted, it was more American because there were some American stories coming up. But now I agree, the Twitter feed has gone very British now.
0: Yeah, it's like, man, this guy must have moved to a different country. Like, <laughs> it what must the be hell?
2: confused. It's been accessed on two different continents. It must be like, what the fuck is going on?
0: That's actually my favorite. I was telling my wife about this today. That's actually my favorite thing about the Twitter feed is that you can 100% tell tweets you send out and tweets I send out. Like, yeah, there's... I thought
2: maybe we should start like putting our initials on them, and then I thought, oh no, point. You can totally tell. Like, it doesn't matter.
0: I know. Like, I I tweeted today about going to a baseball game. You tweet about watching British television. <laughs> I tweet about going to pro wrestling, local pro wrestling shows. You tweet about you know Sam Bain's new comedy. Uh, so I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty like cut and dry. Yeah, it's pretty clear.
2: <laughs> but it must be absolutely fucking with the algorithms. They don't know what's going on.
0: <laughs> or could you imagine somebody who was not aware that we're from two different countries, and they're like, "The fuck? Why? Why <laughs> does this person sound so like schizophrenic?" It's pers- it's schizophrenic
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. But the finalists, the finalists for the the shield are, um. Greg, what did you? Why did you write Davis? Because
2: it's Greg Davis is the name of the person that they say.
0: Oh, okay. I thought it was Greg Jess. Okay, it's so that fucking yeah. accent.
2: Yeah, and that comes. Um, I've got. I've got a note on that later, but that's not yet. So I'll talk more about Greg Davis in a minute. All
0: right. So it's uh, Greg Davis, Dietmar Magibot, the remarkable. I couldn't even hear. Understand what he no, said I'm after not sure. that. No. Manda the Panda, <laughs> which. Manda the panda, I think, is a great underappreciated character in this in this movie because you see her so much and she's just dressed like a panda.
2: Yeah, she appears in the background. Yeah.
0: and you never you never hear her. She doesn't really say anything. You only see one trick that she does, but yet you know, she's like omnipresent throughout the the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, Carl Allen and Tony White. And so at this point, I was like okay, is maybe one of these people going to get killed? You know, is Harry going to kill one of them? Because <laughs> he's a psychopath. Because into... he's a psychopath. <laughs> and then Peter Capaldi's like, oh, and of course, Harry Kane and Linda. Um, you know, we needed Linda because even though she's an assistant, she is a woman, and so we've got to have another woman in the finals. Um, the, yeah, the she the doesn't because
2: she's an assistant.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so they decide to take a picture of, of everybody, you know, kind of like a finalist picture. This this is the part where, like, Harry and Carl, like, really start to have it out. Because Tony, Tony just kind of casually asks Carl what he's going to do. And Carl's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, do a medium. And um, he, he uh, you know, Harry starts kind of laughing at him and about it and, he just looks at Harry. Carl just looks at Harry and he's like, Well, what's so good about pretending to draw endless flags from a hat? Isn't it pro- better to produce hope from the other side? And then um, Harry just looks at him and he's like, Sure, it's just right for you. It's phony, it's manipulative, it's dishonest. What What do you even see on the other side? Plato? Millions of Chinese peasants? Bob Hope? <laughs> and
2: then um, I was about to say, then Jez says, No. Then Carl says, I could see Carol or your wife with their head cut off and their heads on the floor crying, which is a really low blow.
0: I yeah, I, I felt that that was a really really low blow as well. Because yeah, that's
2: cold, cold as ice.
0: But you know, here's the thing: is that Harry opened himself up to that attack. You know, that's like, true. He
2: did. He did. Yeah.
0: Where did he think? Where did he think that this conversation was going to go?
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's always going to it's going to get nasty. It's always going to end up being about how you cut your wife's head off.
0: Exactly. It's yeah. I mean, it was, you know, like I, like I said, it was a pretty it was a pretty low blow, but it was also one that he just completely left himself open for. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um so they kind of everybody kind of goes their separate ways. Uh, oh my god. I, <laughs> sorry, there's a, there's a line in this that is this, there's a line in this next scene that is really cracks me up. Um, but Otto and Otto and Carl are kind of hanging out in front of, oh God, I, even my, in my notes, I wrote Otto yeah. continues to harass Jeremy about Danny. Um, <laughs> but Otto and, and Carl are kind of hanging out. Is Jersey like full of casinos or is it kind of like, a because uh, it looked almost like Las Vegas to me.
2: No, I don't think so. I think it's quite a. It's got. I think it's got like a, a town, but it's not. It's it's fairly small. I don't think it's full of casinos.
0: Oh, okay, because this street that they were on just seemed to be like busy and lit up, and I was a little like, oh, okay. Yeah, like
2: I don't think it's got a city. I think it's got like a large town. It, yeah, I don't know. It's not. I've never been, but it's not how I understand Jersey is. Is like that, but maybe there are bits of it that are.
0: Um. But uh, this is where we find out another uh, previously unmentioned piece of information about Carl, is that he is apparently been impotent for the last four years since Carol's death. Um,
2: yeah, your last lay, your wife, best friend's wife died, which wasn't, it's not a good lay for you, is it, he says.
0: No. Um, but <laughs> this next line from Otto, I wish you could see how bright red my face is right now. Where he starts talking about the vagina and he's like great hairy flaps all flying around. I was like, I was like, oh Oh, yeah, that's a really
2: yeah. It's a really it's just it's too um it's too graphic. I think that would be fair to say.
0: It's oh my god. It was it was I I had to like pause and really ask myself if I even want to like (laughs) mention this line because it just makes me a little red faced, but. Yeah, it was a very funny line. It's very funny. They, it goes into a... They meet up with a stooge in a restaurant and the stooge is... He objects to being called a stooge.
2: Yeah, he says, I'm not a stooge, I'm a magician. And um, Carl says, just to clarify, we're paying you the stooge's rate, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: And he, he shows, like, his... You know, he's like a normal stooge. They'll react like, what? <laughs> Me? But I react like what me <laughs> did you see the pause there
2: yeah he does it He does it a li- little more understated doesn't he and this the stooge is neil's dad from the in between and he plays it very well he's very funny as the stooge um and the bit that really made me laugh was he talks about a, the trip when you're going up to the stage have a little trip and he says even hamlet's a piece of piss if you can handle the trip so <laughs> that's that really made me laugh i thought it was very funny
0: yeah, that's uh, the whole stooge scene really cracked me up, especially like you said when he's talking about like the little trip up the stairs and all that stuff. That was really funny. Yeah. Um. So now we go to Carl's room and he's with Danny and Carl is is really worried about his performance in bed, but Danny thinks that he's just nervous about the magic trick tomorrow. Yeah,
2: and he um he's really. He's really nervous, and um, he tries to confess to Danny about he's impotent since the Carol situation. But she's not; she's not getting the insinuation, and she he's, he's gonna have to either spell it out to her or, or give up.
0: No, and and she just she just tells him like, "Why don't you project a thought into my mind, and I'll see if I can receive it?" And he's just like, "Danny, I," and she's like. Is it a squirrel? Is it a hexagon? A squirrel trapped in a hexagon? <laughs> why, why would it be a
2: squirrel in a hexagon? She's obviously mental. That's that. what I thought there was that she's clearly insane.
0: Yeah, I, again, I really think that she is just trying to... You know, that she just really believes in this stuff and that she wants to be... You know, she wants this to be something that's real whether, you know, it is or not. Yeah. Um. Next, we go to... Harry and he's in the hotel room with Linda. He's chilling a bottle of champagne in a toilet. Or, or sorry, I guess they're talking about the trick, and he excuses himself to go into the bathroom. And then while he's in there, he pulls a bottle of champagne out of a toilet. I don't know why he is using the toilet.
2: So it's in the system of the toilet, isn't it? Which I think is because it's a cheapo hotel that was my guess was that there was nowhere else that he could chill it and also because it's hidden in there that was my assessment was that he was trying to keep it a secret so it was hidden in the system the toilet
0: yeah um and then as he's in there he's just like let's cut the bullshit linda and have a great big (laughs) screw
2: that's very mark vine
0: right and then unfortunately for him and uh, this is so we, I know that we talked about in Peep show where we talked about how the joke kind of landed a little flat. The fact that she finds a pros and cons list, I think that if you had seen her him writing that list first, this joke would have been funnier. Yeah. But the fact that... I agree with you. It
2: came a bit out of nowhere, didn't it?
0: Yeah, the fact that you just never really see him even writing this list, and then all of a sudden it's this huge major plot point where she's... You know she's reading off the cons dance bum unstable slash mental and the entire time that she is listing off the cons harry is like but you gotta read the pros you gotta read the pros and she talks about how bum is both on con and pro yeah what does that even mean (laughs)
2: it's massive but you like it (laughs) yeah yeah that's, that's
0: that's funny yeah And then uh, she just says, Harry, you are an emotionally retarded coward with a Hitler haircut. (laughs) Oh,
1: cold.
2: This was actually, um, I just want to say about this scene as well, that this was when you mentioned earlier on with the finalists, and it was saying about Greg Davis. um, The Harry says uh, something about, he's talking about who the the competition is and Linda says Greg Davis and he says he's always going to have the charges hanging over him unfounded of course but Greg Davis over here is a really popular (laughs) comedian now which he wasn't then it was it's just really unfortunate that Greg Davis is a person with a very successful career but when this was made he was unknown so to English ears that sounds very weird That they're talking it's like they're talking about the real Greg Davis being a pedo
0: Oh, that's so funny. Yeah,
2: and so unfortunate for Greg Davis. What is,
0: is, so is the Greg Davis the comedian? Is he in this movie? Or is it is he the comedian? Is,
2: is there a Canadian Greg Davis?
0: Oh, let's see here. Uh, I don't see anybody on IM. Oh, Greg Davis is played by a person named James Malore, So it's not the actual Greg Davis.
2: Okay, yeah. So it's not, and it's not the British Greg Davis either, who is a comedian. So it's there. It's clearly just a name they've made up. But unfortunately, there are at least two famous Greg Davises now. And for us as Brits, he's a very famous comedian in lots of things. He was in the Inbetweeners, and it just sounds really weird to us now.
0: Yeah, I feel like everybody's been on Inbetweeners.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people in the Inbetweeners.
0: Um, we go to the next we go to our next scene and we see carl and danny in a hotel room this was honestly from start to finish my favorite scene in this entire in this entire episode or uh, in this entire movie uh carl's really excited because he's got a stare (laughs) and before they you know do the deed danny wants her to try like contacting her his her the spirit of her dad again and Carl's just like, oh my God, I don't want to do this, but I want to have sex with her. So, okay, I guess we're going to, I'm going to, you know, pretend to channel this. <laughs> and she
2: <laughs> wants to know, doesn't she, if the dad would want her to study media studies or accounting, which made me laugh because they're pretty disparate subjects. Uh, I, subjects, I yeah, Exact
0: so- same thing. I was like, <laughs> media studies and accounting, that's like, it's like two very separate worlds. And I like how she's. <laughs> You know, she says, like, media studies would help me follow my uh, my heart, but accounting is, you know, the more acceptable job or something like that. And he's just like, uh, Carl's like, your dad says to follow your heart. And she's like, well, what does that mean? And he's just like, uh, he says accounting. And then Danny's just like, yeah, I got to follow in the old man's footsteps. <laughs> and
2: then she asks him to ask the dad, what he thinks of him. Um, and he Carl says he's a very respectable young man and uh Danny's she looks confused by this, doesn't she? And she says it's not the sort of thing he would have said. Yeah,
0: and then she's worried that her dead dad has started drinking again and he <laughs> yeah, starts to... he
2: sounds drunk, oh god, he started drinking again. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then Carl here just he just is like, Look, I'm not a medium, I can't really do any of this stuff that i am doing for you you know magic is supposed to be about a laugh and she's like um well this isn't very funny <laughs> um, and then she just kicks him out of the room and he's naked one thing i didn't understand though how the fuck did she kick him out of his own room
2: oh, yeah that's a good point yeah i hadn't thought of that i guess she just you know she felt she had the moral high ground so she just threw him out
0: if if i was carl i would have been like
2: no, no. No, you go. Yeah, no. you leave. We're we're not yeah. gonna
0: play this game. Like, no, it's you that's gonna get the fuck out of here.
2: <laughs> but then the next joke wouldn't have worked, I guess, because he then wanders into true. Otto's room and also completely misunderstands Carl's nakedness and says, "Play your little games,
0: Carl." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that part. Um, next, next we have to get, of course, with any good movie, you've got to have a montage. And you have a
2: monta- even Rocky had a montage.
0: Yeah. Uh, wait which movie had a montage you,
2: do you know um team america that was a team america oh joke. yes yeah. <laughs> oh shit yeah yeah
0: god damn it sorry fuck i totally <laughs> missed that that joke flew over my head and i love by the way i really it's really love that movie.
1: movie
0: i it plays on so many levels i love it and especially the time when that movie came out over here really really like that was a really edgy movie i felt like when it came out over here yeah it
2: it really it really was yeah yeah
0: um so in the montage carl is practicing throwing a ball (laughs) over his shoulder like a little tennis ball or a little sorry basketball through a hoop the the stooge is practicing his signature stumble (laughs) harry is prepping the guillotine for his trick routine with linda and dwight brings tony his vanishing flower trick which i thought was a nice little father-son moment
2: yeah a little touching father-son moment there, don't
0: they? yeah um so now we get to the shield finals and mike peter capaldi mike is so funny here because he's backstage and he's introducing himself very enthusiastically and then he just like comes out on stage and he's like oh my gosh wow what a great what a great uh what a great entrance oh you know, like, oh, such a good entrance. <laughs> he's very pleased with himself. Yeah. We have Magibot up first, and he's doing his, you know, little trick routine. <laughs> you wrote direct from the U.S. of A. Is that what they, Is that where they introduced him from? Yes,
2: yeah.
0: Oh, I completely missed that. Yeah. Boy, I can't believe the American missed a reference <laughs> to America.
2: <laughs> yeah, and direct from the U.S. of A, isn't it?
0: Um, we backstage, we see Otto and Carl, and Otto is kind of like rubbing Carl's back, and he's like, "Focus, I love you, focus, focus."
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, Carl's just sort of ignoring this <laughs> sexy talk. <laughs>
0: yes, uh, one. Uh, this is a little funny part too, where Tony like bumps into Harry and. Again, I think to kind of rattle Harry, he tells Harry that him and Linda hooked up with each other.
2: Yep, and uh, Carl says, I can't remember what Tony says, but Carl says, "You're right, Tony, you big crap." I'm sorry. Yeah, says, "Uh, "All right, Tony, you big crap magician," and um, and this sets off a um, a back and forth where uh, Tony says that she he slept with Linda. She sucks the warm real good. There was loads of And... (laughs) and um and obviously harry is most upset by this
0: yes um and then of course it's tony whose turn it is to come out on stage and um he comes out on stage to do dwight's vanishing flower trick and i sent you this message in facebook messenger because i thought his little comment here was really really funny um where he's like you guys gave the Nazis a warmer welcome than that.
2: Yeah, that is, uh, that is probably that's one of the strongest lines in the film, I would say. It's very, very funny. Um, and obviously, Jersey was invaded by the Nazis. It was the only bit of, I think, the only bit of Britain that was invaded by the Nazis. So that's, if anyone doesn't know their history, that's why that joke works.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. I, I assumed that that was the case.
2: Yeah, there was, I don't know if it was a full occupation. There was some occupation. Um, I think that, that all of the Channel Islands maybe were the, were, were occupied by German forces. Um, but they were... Um, but obviously they're much closer to France than they are to Britain. So it was. It, it makes sense that they would have been occupied by the Nazis. Um, but obviously it's still part of Britain.
0: That's yeah. why I... Yeah, that's why I, su- I assume that Jersey was in like France or something like that because they're talking about the Nazi yeah, so occupation. Yeah, it's, like, it's
2: really close to the coast of Brittany. And if you look on the map, it's, it's a long way from Britain, but it belongs to us, I don't pretend to know the historical reasons why it belongs to us, but it does.
0: Uh, So, Tony does Dwight's vanishing flower trick. Uh, The one line that I really, the other line that I love that Tony says, he's just like, oh, this is a trick I invented.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is just horrible after their little father-son moment in the last scene. That's really horrible that he sells his son out
0: and then you have dwight you have dwight in the, looking out at the stage and he hears his dad taking complete credit for the the trick that he invented and dwight just is like what a fucking asshole
2: yeah yeah
0: um harry goes to confront linda about sleeping with tony first off harry has no right to confront linda on this
2: no and he says oh, i have a right to know and it's like well why do you have a right to know you prick and, like he definitely doesn't that's really no. out of order
0: no, no, he has he has zero right to sorry, cat. He has zero right to know what's going on and what happened between Linda and Tony. And um, I love the I love when Linda's less like. Oh, I screwed him raw, and what did you? Uh, uh, d- well, sorry, I'll say this. Yeah, I screwed him raw, and then chugged on his big hairy man or something. <laughs>
2: yeah, like he's big. That. Yeah, he's big hairy man and yeah, oh, man-cock. and um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then Harry's like, "Good, good, glad you did. Happy chugging." And that's how they uh, they part. She sort of storms off, and um, the and we see then that do we see then that Carl has seen it all. He's heard it all. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, Carl is Carl is is hearing all of this as their as as their conversation ends though and Linda storms off. Yeah. The guillotine kind of goes by and it's this like close up on David Mitchell's face mm-hmm. and then it's this close up on the blade. And so when you take it through my determination which is that Harry is a complete psychopath, you're like, "Oh, okay, well you, you know, you start to see the gears kind of turning in his head about how he's going to try to murder Linda. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's the psychopath redo of the film, is that, yeah, he's going to kill her.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, then it's Carl's turn to go out on stage, and um, is Carl is, you know, talking about how he's going to reach into the ectoplasm and, you know, talk to the spirit of the dead. He's going to use the spirit orb to find somebody... And he turns his back and he throws the spirit orb, and it goes directly yep. to the stooge.
2: And um, the stooge then—sorry, what happens then? I've lost my place in the notes.
0: The stooge. Oh, there it is. Oh, sure, sure. He he throws the he throws the orb to the stooge, Jason. and he asks the stooge yep. what his name and is, Jason and he trips and trips and says. And falls.
2: He does his little stumble, but he trips and hits his head. And Carl thinks that it's some—it's part of the act, but he actually has knocked himself out cold
0: yes this part's really funny he invites jason up on the stage to help penetrate the ectoplasm as he gets up on stage he does a little stooge stumble and then but this time he just kind of whiffs it and just like completely eats shit on the stage and you know gives himself a concussion yeah. so
2: that at this point um carl is completely and utterly fucked he doesn't know what to do so he then starts sort of fishing in the audience and saying that he's got a message from john something and he throws the all about, and a woman catches it and she then starts talking about how she lost someone and <laughs> has she has he got a message because he never got to say his last words because the ventilator was too loud so she couldn't hear them and, oh my
0: god and that Carl part just looks petrified yeah that part really cracks me up when she starts talking about you know like her dead husband <laughs> and you know all this all this freaking stuff about you know, oh, I couldn't hear him because the ventilator was too loud. And he's just, you see, you see Carl's face, like, just getting, like, more and more sullen. Because he's just like, oh, my God, I cannot, like, do this to another person. And
2: No, so this is where his integrity does actually come out that we talked about earlier. And he says, I can't do it. Anyone that says they can do it is a liar. It's all bollocks. Cynical careerist or in the best possible, like, deluded schizos. And he does, like, a mic drop and just leaves the stage.
0: One thing that I like is while this is going on, Otto is like, has the remote control and he's like ringing the bell and, um, he's like screaming Courtney Cox from backstage and it's very, it's very, very funny. Um, Carl is kind of backstage at this point and he's like really upset and Linda kind of comes over to him and, you know, she's like, Oh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. This is when Carl kind of delivers an ominous warning to Linda where he's just like hey you should be a little concerned about the guillotine trick Um,
2: I got the feeling at this point he was like a man with nothing to lose he was like fuck it I've absolutely blown this all, all apart so I'm going to just you know tell the truth I'm going to tell it to people how it is so he tells Linda that yeah she he says something like make sure that you're make sure that you check the mechanism like repeatedly
0: yeah um
2: triple you go to check
0: triple check. But yeah, but when you but when you go when you look at it from my perspective, like he's really doing a good thing by trying to warn her here, you know. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, if if he's if Harry is a murderous I then Carl is doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, he's being a one hundred percent good mate here and you know, trying to protect Linda's life.
1: Yeah.
0: Um as he uh anyways carl goes to find harry and harry is just standing backstage and he's just like bashing his head against a pipe (laughs) like
2: a complete Uh mental case and carl just says don't murder her (laughs) don't murder her
0: yeah and and then harry's just like oh is that why you haven't been able to apologize for me all these years like um because you think i murdered her (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah and then he says well yeah and he's like i didn't and said, and then carl says we'll prove it and harry says but well, i can't prove it there's no way i can prove it um and then he says it's easier for you to think that i'm a murderer than it is to face up to all the guilt you've got about screwing your best friend's wife
0: i also i also uh and i don't <laughs> want to steal your thunder because i see this in your notes as well i thought black widower uh, so his um his stage name that he's going by for this trick is black widower and i just thought i was like Wow, he's not even trying to be fucking subtle at this point.
2: <laughs> no, so he gets called on stage and Peter Capaldi says in a very sort of, like, dramatic tone, like he gives it the full X factor and says that he is Harry Kane, the Black Widow, and it is so tasteless.
0: Um, but the, the guillotine is on stage and it is covered in, like, a, a black cloth and he comes out in, like, a black, I don't know, like, black shirt, black pants, just... Black. Yeah, he's
2: a little bit like Phantom of the Opera, isn't he? He's got a cape, and it's all very dramatic. And yeah. Linda comes on, and she's got like a full black widow, like a, a widow outfit on. She's in full morning, like Victorian morning regalia. And Peter Capaldi says, "This is so, this is sick. This is so sick. It might even make papers."
0: <laughs> oh, it was it was so funny. And then, uh, so basically, Harry gets Linda in in position to do the 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 guillotine and
2: the audience is absolutely on edge isn't it because the two idiots from earlier on are holding hands and we see that they're like (laughs) so nervous they're holding hands i forgot
0: i forgot about that yeah everybody in the offices or everybody in the audience is just completely on edge about this trick and um uh linda i don't know kind of has a has a little bit of a panic attack here and
2: does she though does she bottle it or is that part of the act?
0: Oh my fucking God, I never even thought about it from that perspective. That
2: Yeah, because does she pretend to bottle it so that Carl will get involved?
0: No, I, I don't think that's the... I don't think that's... Maybe that's... Oh shit, maybe that's what she wants. Holy fuck, maybe this whole movie is Linda manipulating Harry to get what she wants.
2: Yeah, see, that's how I read it, was that she pretends to, to bottle it so that they all come back together.
0: See, I... I looked at it as, I looked at it as she legitimately was thinking about what Carl had to say and realized that she is working with a complete psychopath and that if he killed one woman, he's probably willing to kill again. Yeah,
2: I totally get that reading of it. That's just, I just, that's not how I saw it. So you decide which which one is is the which one is what they intended. I don't know, but yeah. So she either completely terrified because Carl's just warned her that he's a murder psychopath or she wants to get the band back together and she pretends to bottle it in order yeah. for that to
0: happen. Um, but I like, I like after she leaves the stage, um, Harry is just kind of looking out in the crowd and he's like, uh, well, does anybody else want to be my assistant? And it's just, it's like crickets. <laughs>
2: yeah. No one wants to be his assistant. And-, and then Carl comes back on stage and says, Black Widow I will face the blade of fear.
0: Yeah, and um,
2: he apologizes to Harry and me for for what happened.
0: I really the the whole part where he's like strapping Carl into the the guillotine, and Carl's Carl's just like talking and talking, and he's like kind of blubbering at that point, and he's just like, I should probably stop talking. <laughs> he's just
2: jabbering on, and Harry's got an absolute poker face about it, and he doesn't show how he feels in any way, and he just forces Carl's head down onto the block and gets everything in place for the trip
0: this is the part where he starts talking about how he resisted her for years yeah
2: that was that uh, sorry that wasn't the earlier one that is now where he says that he resisted for years
0: yeah i'm looking at at both of our notes and i realize yes that is um yeah,
2: yeah. where it happened
0: <laughs> yeah and he starts to have second thoughts here because he realizes like a complete and utter psychopath is you know um uh, straf- strapping him into this thing and
2: and, Carl- and harry does appear to be reacting badly to it doesn't it? you do have a moment where you think oh christ what's he gonna do
0: I really like how they shot this next part because it's from the front and you see the blade fall and his head just, you know, falls into the basket. And I was just like, holy Christ, he killed him too. Fucking psychopath. The
2: first time I saw this, I absolutely thought he'd killed him. Like, I thought that was going to be the twist in the tale, is that he killed his friend too.
0: But but he picks up the bucket that should have the head in there. He turns it out and there, turns it over in this you know ribbon just starts pouring out of it and then you see carl up in the audience he's up in like one of the balconies and he's like tied up or something like that and and everybody's just going like fucking crazy for those two
2: yeah the crowd goes absolutely wild isn't it and um and yeah and the and they sort of you know look at each other and he's all forgiven and gives a little bow Mm
0: mm-hmm uh, Carl goes for a hug, but um, Harry just shakes his hand instead.
2: <laughs> yeah. And um, they get they go off stage, and then Peter Coelho comes on and he says, I don't think anyone has quite seen a fi- final like that, and I in no way mean that in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I really enjoyed the little award ceremony they, they have here, because Tony wins the award for most of eva- innovative trick, but really he just stole Dwight's trick. Yeah, and he
2: doesn't even have the good grace to admit that it wasn't his invention. No. And... Um,
0: he, doesn't he even doesn't he even say something like doesn't he even say something along the lines of like, Oh yeah, this is a trick that I just came up with or something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, he does. And he then as well, he isn't even gracious in his winning because he starts giving a little fuck you to people that have screwed him over previously, doesn't he? So he's just a, he's just an arsehole, really, in this bit.
0: Oh. Uh, and then uh and then Harry of course wins the the magician's shield and he starts to you know, he thanks Carl and uh, you know, he thinks Carl for kind of bailing him out and then he's, you know, he calls Linda up on stage and, um, you know, he confesses publicly that he loves Linda and then Linda's like, oh, you love me? And he pulls her close and he's like, I don't really <laughs> love you, but I knew it would get you on the stage. But I figure we can just give it a shot and see where it goes. Yeah, to. I
2: like you a lot and in your time. I'm sure I'll learn to call those feelings love. Um, and I really loved as well that the, the shield that they win is just shit. It's like a crappy school shield that you, that teams win for like, <laughs> rugby and it's it's rubbish and this is i know there's like a cash prize but this is clearly the physical manifestation of the the prize that they've all been working so hard for and it's rubbish
0: yeah one one other little funny bit here that is not funny when you when you view it but when you read about when you read interviews is pretty funny is linda and harry kiss each other at this point robert or david mitchell was very uncomfortable kissing her and actually, has, has said that he would have preferred to kiss. Um, he would have preferred to kiss um, Robert Webb instead of her because they had kissed before, and it wasn't a big deal for the two of them to kiss. So when I do see them kissing, he does look very like kind of, uh, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not. there it doesn't. He's not. He's not a great actor. There. He's. It's quite clear. that He's uncomfortable.
0: So we get kind of the resolution of kind of all the stories. I really think that these two ending scenes should have been flipped around.
2: Yeah. It's a bit weird that they're this way around. I agree with you.
0: Yeah. So we get the magician show and Danny and Linda are both doing Linda's gay bar dance.
2: In the like the funkiest costumes as well. Like the most sequined like costumes that you could possibly imagine.
0: Yeah. They look like uh flappers from like the 1920s, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like 1920s America. They look like flappers. Um, Carl and Harry are doing the levita- levitation trick which earlier Harry had said to Linda that Carl didn't have the physical strength to do it he's like stabbing Carl over <laughs> and over with the sword in beat to gay bar very very funny and um
2: and this is we see a poster don't we that says it's a reunion tour so we know that they're like they're back together for good this is this is the, the act now
0: yeah I like I like Uh, Carl's face every time Harry stabs him where he's just like, he's like, Oh, you know, like makes this face where he's like, Oh, and he just keeps doing it over and over. Um, and then that was the end of the movie and I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, the final scene is Tony is in front of a studio audience. It has become clear that Tony has gotten the job that was meant for Carl because he is trying to cold read the audience. But he's doing it in his own Tony way, where he's like, is there anyone here who is female, under 25, and recently had a breakup? And (laughs) this girl, who I thought was good looking, is like, hey, me. And he's like, oh, uh, anyone else, uh, maybe 25 to 30.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So
2: yeah, he's basically just using this cold reading job now on the telly to do his, his hitting on 30 women a day thing.
0: Yeah, I just thought it was so weird that the movie ended with Tony and not Carl and Harry.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know why that was. I it, it definitely those two scenes should have been flipped. Hundred yeah. percent agree with you on that one.
0: Yeah. Um, well, then we have the credits, and there's a post-credit scene. Not very funny post-credit scene, but uh, basically, Otto has buried himself up to the neck in sand, and he's calling Carl to come dig him out. There's a hand. Like it looks like the way he buried himself in the sand was he buried like one of his hands out of the sand next to his head because it's holding his phone. Yeah, that cell wouldn't phone. even work either, so um, that's stupid. But when they when they zoom in on the hand, like you can tell it's it looks like yep. a very fake hand just kind of planted in the sand.
2: And yeah, that's that's the film.
0: That was the film. Um I don't know. I thought it was good but not great.
2: Yeah, it's I think it's it's patchy for sure and when I sort of asked people what they thought about it and it was canvassing the the peep show fans and, and other people I knew um everyone agreed I think that it was it was patchy it was good but not great and um a friend of mine Scott said that he thought it didn't think it exceeded the sum of its parts which I think is a very accurate um a very accurate statement it's it it's got a lot more potential than it lives up to.
0: Yeah, I really liked all the the magician stuff in there because I really love magic, and knowing that they were doing actual tricks, I really just thought that that was pretty damn cool. I a, and as you've probably heard us do it a couple times, Harry and Carl, Carl, Harry and Carl, feel like kind of hybrid versions of Mark and yeah, Jeremy.
2: That's that is definitely the case. Is that they are they're playing these extensions of of Mark and Jeremy. And um, and I know that you, I think you wrote this in your notes somewhere, but that Olivia Coleman um was, uh, they talked about her auditioning for the role of Linda, but they said they didn't want it to be like Peter Show the movie and an extension of Peep Show. Oh. And I think that that would've been the final now in the coffin to make it Peep Show the movie, because yeah, they are just those parts really. I'm
0: glad that we watch it because it was a fun detour in the Mitchell and Webb verse um, you know, it was, it was nice to kind of watch something a little different from peep show. I love peep show, but you know, it was nice to kind of talk to you about something not 100% peep show.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think as well that it's a, it's an interesting film. Um, and someone on the, um, the jail pointed out, uh, who was it? It was always oh, David Wood. who pointed out that the, one of the producers and fellow writers, um, Andrew O'Connor had, he'd been, I think he'd been a magician or he'd been close to the magician's world. And he, he wanted to make a film that was about like the petty rivalries and the silliness that went on in, in the world of magicians. And it was really interesting to see, see that point of view, like if that's a real thing, that's interesting. So it was was definitely an interesting little diversion. Like you say, I don't, I I like it. I've seen it more than once. Is it a masterpiece? No, it's not, but it is entertaining.
0: And, Um, Laura has also kind of taken over our social media and has worked very tirelessly on our WordPress page. So if you have not checked out the WordPress page, um, it's linked in the show notes, please check it out. Laura's done a ton of hard work on there. She's also done become a Twitter machine and um, had a, actually got a tweet from Steve edge, a He slid up in her DMs and sent her a pretty funny story about, you know, filming magicians. So, uh, Laura, if you want to just kind of talk about what Steve Edge told you.
2: Yeah, so um, I had a bit of back and forth with Steve Edge, um, which was great. I was very excited about, and he, um, I kind of asked if he had any, like, stories or anecdotes or just anything that he could tell us about magicians and making magicians. Um, and he, he got in touch to say that he had two really fond memories from when he was filming it. The first one was that he um, he invented a game with two of the other um, actors, um, the guy that played his son, Rasmus, and Darren Boyd, who plays Otto. And they had a lot of downtime, so they um, they invented this, this game called Hunchback Smash. Where he they had to hold a pool cue across the back of their necks with both hands, sort of like a, a half crucifix, you know. So if you put it behind your neck, like you're threading it behind your neck and hold it, and then throw a, the then throw the ball as you shoot with little precision, precision, yeah, precision, sorry, because the the crucifix is kind of hampering your accuracy. And they would try and get the balls into the the holes of the pool table that way. Which it sounds like it would be. Very hard and pointless, so it obviously took up a lot of time. But I imagine it was quite funny to do, quite funny to watch. Um, and the second was that they <laughs> made up a game called Log Ball, where they jammed all the pockets of the pool table so that the balls didn't go in anymore. Um, and they placed a bent log that they found in the fireplace in the other, which was riddled with knots and sharp bits. So if any ball hit it, you had to take the next two shots with the with that log rather than the pool oh. cue. Um, so they invented these two like crazy pool games that, that took up a lot of their time because they had so much downtime. Um, and the other story he had was that there was a fire alarm one night at the hotel in Nottingham where they filmed a lot of it. And, um, they, they all just gathered out, (laughs) they gathered in whatever they could throw on obviously at that point, because there'd been a fire alarm and, um, and David came down wearing a nightgown, um, and he says he likes to add that he was holding a candle and had a little uh, hat on like Eb- Ebenezer Scrooge in the Christmas Carol. <laughs> but he says that he's told the story so many times that he can't remember what's true and what's not. <laughs> Definitely there was a night that he can't remember if there was a hat and a candle, but in his head now there is. So that really made me laugh. So thank you very much to Steve Edge for, for those anecdotes. They were they really brightened up uh, preparing for this podcast and uh, it was great for him to get in touch. So thanks very much.
0: Yes, I really appreciate uh, Steve. I really appreciate you sending us those anecdotes. So thank you. This is the kind of stuff that people come to listen to the show for. So definitely, really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's uh, as a as a Piccio fan and as a you know fan of all these comedians that it's just really great to hear those little stories and the weird little anecdotes like that that happen during filming and stuff. And it it's just it's really funny. So that's great.
0: Yeah, I definitely appreciate. It. I definitely appreciate that. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about magicians, or are you?
2: No, I don't think so. I think we've. I think we've covered it pretty exhaustively.
0: Yeah, t- we're about like two and a half hours, so I think that that's a pretty good length for a a full a feature length a podcast about a feature length movie. Yeah. So definitely appreciate everybody tuning and listening in to the show. Um, I'm really excited to start season 3 of peep show where we have mugging. So really looking forward to mugging.
2: Yeah, that's going to be great next week.
0: Um we are and I think that this might be news to Laura, so if it is, I apologize. We are unfortunately going to not be releasing an episode on Wednesday the 9th. I'm going to be on vacation, so Oh, no, you didn't
2: tell me that. Yeah.
0: Okay, I couldn't remember if I had told you that or not. Yeah. So, uh We're going to have an episode, we'll have Mugging on, let's see here, so this episode's going to come out on the 26th, we'll have Mugging on the 2nd, we won't have an episode on the 9th, and then we will return on the 16th with one of my favorite episodes, Sectioning. So don't don't forget about us in that little off week, we promise that we will not try to miss any more weeks unless it is absolutely... um, unless it's, you know, a complete impossibility.
2: Don't worry, while you're sunning yourself at Disney World, I'll be on Twitter, so... uh... Hey, hey,
0: hey, hey. I'm going to Wizarding World of (laughs) Harry Potter. Thank you very much.
2: (laughs) I don't don't know what's worse, to be honest. (laughs) There we go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Laura will be stoking the flames of social media on that week while I'm gone. Yeah, Um,
2: definitely, I will be.
0: And again, I really want to say thank you to you, Laura, for everything that you've done with the the WordPress page, she pretty much looked at it and was like, oh, this thing sucks. Well, <laughs> let me see what I can do here. And I was just like, you know, I don't really care about the WordPress page because it really, I was just using it to get the episodes out, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She really did so much work on this on this page.
2: Oh, thank you. It's much jazzier now. So hopefully it's somewhere people are going to want to come and and read stuff. So I'm definitely a, I'm probably a better writer than I am a talker. So that's um I'm putting my skills to use.
0: Also, starting with the season 3 episodes, we are going to be putting the deleted scenes applicable to that episode up on the website. Um basically I'm just going to take the long video of the deleted scenes and just chop it up. Yeah, I think that will be
2: good for people to be able to see what we're talking about because they're not necessarily widely known. So that would be good.
0: Yeah, and so, yeah, like I said, we will be back on August 2nd. Wow, I can't believe it's already August. I know. With with mugging. So with that, this is the L Dude Brothers signing off. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I am in local. parental meaning contestant, i the apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,